time since I've been on on the air here, but I'm back. This is Will from Texas, and this is for your consideration because the Place to Be Nation is doing another WWE Greatest Wrestler Ever poll, and we're going to revisit that. And what better way to do that with my two old buddies, Scott and JT. Guys, how are y'all doing? What's up, bud? It's good to hear you. It's been a while back our uh, of course my old tag team partner the dangerous alliance and yes. uh, excited to have you here on this new feed the north south connection podcast are actually entering our third year as a network and it was time to get a little good old will on here uh talking ptbng wwe so i'm excited Scott, hey, real, quick, real quick jt when, when i introduce this should i say north south connection how are you doing or place to be <laughs> yeah that's right it's all good all right um, we're all one family <laughs> All right, I'll figure it out. Yeah, man, you guys are my buds. I mean, shit, I've slept on both of your couches at one point or another. Tyler, <laughs> when I have my next midlife crisis, I'll be sleeping on your couch. That's true. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. It's just uh, facts, man. <laughs> I just awesome. grab my keys and I just start driving and I just call people along the way. That's what I do. So. Dude, that's been five years already. It's crazy. When I came up with my Facebook memories last month, it was like, damn, like, feels like yeah. yesterday in so many ways. And yeah, it really does. And for the people out there, me and JT, we're, we are television stars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what was the name of the show we appeared on, JT? Oh, God. It was a, it was like Food Paradise or something like that. It was for Bonehead's Food? Wing Bar. Yes, they did a okay. special. So we, we got on the invite list. They uh, they worked us into the list. And yeah, Will Will had talking lines. I think I just had a, a sexy look, and Will had actual lines. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Wings it's, it's were the, the voice, star. JT. It's the voice. <laughs> and Scott? Scott, uh, my, my good friend, how, are you, how have you been, buddy? I'm great, Will. It's always good to talk to you. It's been a long time. We've had some. We've had some fun uh, back and forths through the year, so it's good to it's good Absolutely. to hear you again and look forward hey, to being more of the same. And guys, uh, I'm going to do a little mini series for you here, the the four year consideration mini series. I did it for the original greatest mm-hmm. wrestler ever list, and so my co host this time is going to be Tyler. Okay, so Tyler, say hi to the people, and, and um, I'm I'm glad you're joining me for this this ride here. I consider it an honor, Will. You know, five years ago, I was listening to these podcasts, listening to the four-year considerations, following along on the Facebook page, and participating in this project kind of rekindled some of my wrestling fandom. So, And I enjoyed it so much that I, I wound up, I wrote to JT telling him how much I enjoyed it and and uh, just kind of thought that would be a little article. And, and I'm, I'm sure I ended it with something like, let me know if there's anything else I can do. Uh, and so... JT did, and and I wound up helping with the write-ups for that project, and nice. Look, a lot of words on that, and and I've been. I say helping. You pretty much do them all. Do all the <laughs> write-ups for say, all the projects. You're, you're the reason this thing still exists, man. Us, right? Us, yeah, us, us lazy bastards dude. wouldn't have done all that. Come on. No, the workforce <laughs> of all this. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. He's a hoss. And now here I am. So I guess I've made it now that I'm I'm on the next, the inaugural edition of the this round of for, for your consideration. So I guess I've made it, whatever it is. I don't know if you've made it, man. I'm a bunch of bunch of miscreants and uh, ne'er do wells here. <laughs> anyway. So so look, guys, today what we're gonna do is we're gonna revisit our top five lists, okay, from five years ago. And really all of the guys here below deserve consideration, you know, as one of the greatest WWE wrestlers ever. They're, where they rank is debatable, but all of them deserve to be there, right? I think that's in, undisputable right here. But what I want to do is just kind of run down guys that were on our top five list. Um, Tyler, if you can, tell us uh, uh, who had them ranked where. Do you have that information available, Tyler? I do. Okay, I do. and you could... You can let us know where we rank them all. And, um, you know, after I introduce the person, you can throw in the ranks and then we'll throw it to JT and then Scott. How does that sound, guys? Sounds great. All right. Then then Tyler will give his opinion at the end and then I'll go on to the next guy. So the first guy that we're going to talk about tonight, guys, is Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid. Shawn Michaels, obviously, you know, I mean, when you talk about his Hall of Fame, Fame credentials, when he, you know, left in 98, there was some question on whether he should have been there. But then he comes back in 2002, has a great run, you know, ends up with those Undertaker matches. And, right, the Undertaker match was his last match, right? The WrestleMania Undertaker match? Yes. Yep. Uh, well, he yeah, came back the, the one uh, tag in Saudi Arabia for the oh, blood money not, a couple years ago. But that was, right. a, that was a disaster. So uh, it was his last I, domestic I, match. I, I his last domestic the- match was... Was uh, WrestleMania 26? Yeah, his last domestic gotcha. match. Okay. If you want to go there? So, so, so I mean, but when we did this project, that was well after all that happened. So, um, Tyler, where, where did Shawn Michaels place on this list uh, when we originally did it? Uh, on the original list, he finished number six overall. Okay, and and who had him in their top five? Scott had him number Scott. five. Scott, okay, so so you're pretty close on the money with with uh, the public out there who voted. So why don't you start with Shawn Michaels? I just threw out my order, but whatever. Scott, tell us why you put Shawn Michaels so high on your list. Well, I think it's I think it's safe to say that he's arguably the greatest in ring worker in the history of the of the company. Uh, he bridged the gap during a time when the company was down, uh, you know, 90, 93 through 97, uh, you know, he, he won the world title at a time when, you know, the NWO was hot and WWF was getting their ass kicked, but you could never dispute. And of course, you know, he had his backstage issues, but that was never part of the criteria. Cause if we had backstage issue as part of the criteria, then, you know, Ricky Steamboat would be the only guy on the list. So, and even he had his own backstage issues in 1987. So, but, you could never argue that that guy was ready in the ring every time, whether he had, whether he was pilled out of his mind or whether he was as lucid as can be. Shawn Michaels was always ready to get in the ring and wrestle anybody, anytime, anywhere. And his goal was to steal everybody else's show, whether selfishly or unselfishly. His his goal getting into the ring was being the one match you remembered the most. You know, wait, wait, and, I'm gonna I'm gonna review I'm gonna review here, Scott. He's going to steal everyone else's show. Was he the repo man here? What's going on? 
I know what you meant. I'm just giving you <laughs> Unless he's having 45-minute matches with Triple H, then nothing's yeah. getting stolen besides our yeah. little yeah. lip. That stole yeah. my time. That's what that did. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, but he, you know, and, and, you know, he was a, no one ever expected him to come back when he came back in 2002. But during those eight years, he was a, a glue guy uh, for a lot of these, particularly a lot of these pay-per-views when even TV was maybe a little shaky here and there. He was a glue guy that you could always count on to put on the match. And if you look at every one of his WrestleMania matches between 19 and 26, they all were average between three and a half and three and a quarter, four stars, whether it was Jericho or, you know, the triple threat at 20, Kurt Angle, uh, you know, even Vince in 2006, he was able to make chicken salad out of shit. And then, you know, the two takers and he, it didn't matter what was going on in his life or what was going on with the company. That guy got in the ring and delivered every single time. And, uh, his promo skills were amazing, whether he was doing it on, whether he was, whether he was working it or shooting it either way. He's just one of those guys. He's the face of WWE. He's, you know, he was there his entire career. He never went anywhere else, not counting, you know, the AWA stuff and uh, early in his career. He is one of those guys you could say he is a WWEF guy for his whole career. There was no waggling. He didn't go to WCW in 97 or 98 or whatever. He he is a WWE guy forever. And there weren't there aren't a lot of guys on that list on this list that you could say that about. And he just belongs in the top five with other guys who equally were that important, but perhaps were not as good in the ring as he was. So when we did our formula of other guys that, that some people have in their top five, uh, when it came at least to the in ring, there's not many that come close to Sean. All right, J- JT, um, the formula Scott's talking about is the NJPW formula. Yes. And, um, did you want to talk about that right now before you get add on to Sean's case, or do you want to wait? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think we can. It's it's a test off the bat here. I'm going to have to pull up the old sheet. It's been a while. I know, I know Jay is jump up <laughs> moments, right? Uh, he was pro, um, Tyler, he is promo. I Tyler, think. help me out. Tyler, help me out. Um, right yeah, now, I know so, Jay's jump up yeah. moments. And what that means is like, that is, you know, they're Memorable big time, moments. Yeah. notable moments, big wins, big pro, like, you know, big promos or segments, just key, you know, pieces of their career. N stood for nuance, which is like longevity, flexibility, and tangibles. P is promo skills and character work, and W is work rate. So gotcha. that wasn't a meant to be a system to govern by, but it was meant to be a system to leverage while you're trying to break down your list and things gotcha. to consider. Okay. To go through. So it wasn't like a rubric you had to use, but it was one that we recommended because it kind of hit all the facets of things you yeah. can consider for there, there's, there's, there's one thing missing from that list but i'm going to say what that one thing is when we talk about some of my guys later on the, the road is it but, jerry lawler that's oh it's not, the jerry, it's not the jerry lawler no. uh, <laughs> uh, teenage factor no it is not it okay <laughs> um but uh I'll, t- I'll talk about that later but what do you have to add uh, uh that scott didn't mention about sean michaels uh, I, I mean, look, I, I don't know how you can do this list and like obviously not have him on there unless you're Marcus Fuller, uh, who's going to turn this off right now because I'm going to gush a bit. But when you look at the, these categories, right, like obviously longevity, he's got in spades. I mean, he's got a, a 10 year run and then like another eight year run. 
Um, he's flexible in that he can work as a heel or as a face at a top level and has a lot of intangibles, right? He connects with the crowd. He, uh, um, you know, p- puts a lot of work into the, the facial pieces of his, his work, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what we're not really factoring well, in, right? Michaels is, loves the facials. Sorry, loves especially, when Sonny, especially when Sonny's involved. Um, yeah, but yeah. you... <laughs> Like one thing that could potentially hurt his legacy in the more modern time, but isn't really factored into a project like this is his legacy as a producer in NXT taking the, uh, dramatic, uh, you know, overplayed soap opera drama stuff into like a lot of that product, but also into some of the bigger matches post his retirement, notably the triple H Undertaker match, the triple H Brock Lesnar match, like stuff like that, where that really kind of hangs over it and not in a positive way. But again, that's two matches out of, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds um, mm. throughout his career. Jump up, get obviously tons of moments. Like, I'm not going to list them all here for you. Promo, especially as a heel, tremendous. I, if you want to nitpick, you could say his um, reluctance to do heel work in his second run, you know, could be a nitpick against him because he's so damn good as a heel. And he probably could have really added a lot to the card and to the roster as a heel in the two thousands. And he, he just kind of wouldn't do it, but um, his heel work in 97 is top notch. He'll, you know, the little heel blip against Hogan in 05 is great. Work rate is work rate. I know there'll always be detractors out there um, that that'll ding him for kind of the go-go style, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Or, or but, that, I mean, he, uh, um, unprofessional behavior, like in the Vader match. Sure. The Hogan I mean, match. But again, you're talking yeah. like you're talking like yeah, five but, matches, uh, hundreds of yeah. big ones. I, but it's there. I get it. it, it it's a yeah, ding on his resume, right? But that's to yeah, me why. And that keeps him out of like some lists, including Dodie's own, would have him as like number one, right? The greatest ever in Dodie history. But like to me, like I didn't even consider him briefly for top five. Like he was never in my top five. Right. Um, but he was at number seven. And I think I'm going to drop him slightly, not by much. He'll still be inside the top 10 um, in my first draft of this year's revisit five years later. Uh, so, but, but he might have a little drop, but that said, like he's still obviously a top 10 all time. When you look at within the construct of the company and what he brought to the table. Um, and like Scott said, he was there his whole career. So, I mean, he's a major player. He's been in tons of big moments, Mr. WrestleMania, like all that stuff all plays a role as to why he's at least a top 10 worker um but to me again he's not in the top five because the top five to me is the rushmore guys and he's not a rushmore guy to me he's not a face of the company um beyond the company type of guy right like he's not uh he's not a a cena hogan type guy right he doesn't um try to think of the word but whatever he's not exceed transcend you know i'm trying to say transcend yes thank you perfect he doesn't transcend the business to that next level like to me in my top five and even my top six, seven, like you have to be a guy that transcends wrestling um, and owns an era. And he just didn't do that. All right, cool. Tyler, do you have anything to add uh, to what these guys have to say? Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of what they said. He finished number seven for me last time. And and like JT said, he might slip a spot or two. I think there's a few guys that may have kind of, uh, kind of surpassed Sean, but uh, I'm a, Shawn Michaels fan. I'm not uh, someone who just hates Shawn Michaels. I do see some of the, the criticisms. I think that he can get rather over dramatic with some of his, his facial expressions and things like that. And, and uh, you know, I think that can weave its way in sometimes where it's not welcome. But I do think that 
even with those criticisms, the, the great matches are just undeniable. Um, he was in 13 matches on my GWWE match list. Um, and one thing that uh, no one has talked about was some of his versatility, uh, singles and tags. I mean, the Rockers, yeah. I think, was fantastic work. That, and, you know, that's a definite big feather in his cap, in my opinion. He could work face and heel. JT did mention that 97 heel run that was just about as good a heel work as you can get. Um, and he had the longevity with, you know, a long career, you know, split in two. But, but those are the reasons why, you know, Sean, will, I'm sure he'll be in my top 10. Uh, like I said, he might slip a spot or two. Right. He's kind of like a, a Bonds type, right? Where, like, if he never came back after 97, just that first, and I'm not comparing him from, like, a steroid point of view or whatever, but, like, a guy that had two distinct careers, and I think both careers are Hall of Fame worthy. Like, I think if he never comes back after 98, like, he's still pretty high on the list. And if he only had 02 to 0 to 10, like, he's pretty high on the list. So it's crazy mm-hmm. that he had two you know, Hall of Fame level runs separated by four years. But again, to me, he start he almost kicks off the next tier for me after the A1 guys. Mm, Having said that, I, I agree with you, JR. I, I when I go, th- I, I can almost guarantee you he's going to drop for me on my on my updated list. Mm. Not well, far. Let's say, like, let's, let's say that because I want to see who's going to jump up for you guys at the end as a little teaser for, you know, future mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. But let, let's okay. save that. Um uh, Tyler, where did I have this guy? I don't even know. I know it wasn't in my top two. Uh, I don't know where you had. That's all right. I, it wasn't in my top two. I'll guarantee you that. All right. Having said that, um, he, he was uh, uh, somewhere high up on the list. Um, three things really stand out for me when it comes to his career. Uh, one, one thing y'all did not mention was his run with the Rockers. The Rockers were like the best tag team during their era of tag team uh, tag teams in the WWF at the time. Uh, just great tag team working with Marty Jannetty. Um, you did already mention his 97 heel run, which is great, but I don't know if it was as great as Bret Hart's 1997 heel run. He's a heel in America, hero everywhere else in the world. To me, I think that added dynamic kind of bumps Sean's 97 heel run down a little bit, um, leading to the match at WrestleMania. And then the other thing that really sticks out in my mind is that feud with Jericho, where Jericho punched his wife in the face, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Busted her open, you know, which wasn't intended, but it happened. And so to me, that feud was fabulous. I can't, I can't deny that. But um, I'm not as high on Shawn Michaels as you guys are. Um, but absolutely, you know, a memorable performer, well-deserving. And I'm not going to argue with anybody if they have him. They're not it's just not I, for I actually, I actually found your list, Will. You had him at 23. Okay, 23. So I had him up there, top 25, you know. Yep. You and, uh, okay, so that th- thanks, See, Scott. I appreciate you. Thank no you for problem, that. No problem, Anytime. But, uh, but, um, but anyway, uh, so I think um, I'll, I'll be interested to hear why you guys are going to drop him bit okay i want to know what happened in the last five years that made someone else go up and him go down so we'll save that for the end let's move on to the next guy and uh the next wrestler is by far the most famous wrestler that the wwf has ever produced okay and that's the rock I, nobody's disagreeing with that right by far the most famous wrestler to ever exist in america Correct. And the most successful outside of wrestling 
outside yeah. of wrestling. And yeah. that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm not saying he's the most famous for his wrestling, just right, right. by yes. far the, the most, most famous, famous celebrity. Yeah. celebrity that has ever existed, you know, and, and yet still respects wrestling, comes back to pay tribute to wrestling, appears on shows, wrestles occasionally since he's become a megastar, et cetera. Right. Like, mm. and so let's, let's start with you, JT. Where did you have the rock? And, uh, you know, where do you think he stands now? Because he has, has he had any matches since the last, um, Paul? No, no. I think his last right? was that little fake match in Dallas against Eric Rowan. <laughs> like, I don't, well, yeah, but I don't think he's done anything since met then. Up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, yeah, he's been rumored. I mean, there were rumors he may compete in Dallas again this year, but I think that's been shot down. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, um, my... so I had him at six last time. Okay. Which again, I kind of have like the six pillars by era and he's one of them. I just think his run ends up being like just a little short to crack above the guys I have the, the five above him. So I, I, I don't but, even fault you for that because it was such, but just such a successful run. You know? Oh yeah. And, and just think of like, you know, you almost have to discount like his first year. Cause it's, it's kind of a wash. So when you really look at his peak, it's like, 90 late 97 till like early 03 like i mean that's like and he misses ch- big chunks of those like he's only really there for like yeah. almost three years and that's it and the rest are just kind of come and go um and what he accomplishes in that time is like incredibly <laughs> just insane um and his stuff definitely holds up uh, for sure like i remember watching a bunch of different podcasts some of the promo work may, you know maybe not here and there but like the intensity the wrestling the feuds uh, he always delivered in the big match. You never like had a big rock match that sucked. Right. And they always had an ele- electric vibe. He has loads of all the metrics you want by the NJPW system. Um, and he was six last time as of right now, I have him at six again. So, I mean, one of the six greatest wrestlers in this company's history is a guy that has like maybe five years total worth of <laughs> content. Uh, that's how good right. he was. And that's why he finishes that high for me, even though he's not in my top five, he's basically like, He's in my tier one. I have seven guys in my tier one, and he's one of them. So, got you. Okay, Scott. Uh, I had him at seven. Uh, my first uh, go around. Um, it, a lot of it. I mean, first off, uh, he's arguably one of the most uh, charismatic in terms of just oozing what was right and what to do right and how to suck the the audience in. Uh, he always had that. Um, I will always give him his biggest props for bridging the gap during Stone Cold's injury. I, I'm actually one of my chrono watches. I've been watching 2000 uh, WWE uh, over the last several months, and I really gained a ton of respect for him in that in that year or maybe 10 months between Survivor Series 99 when when Austin got hit by the car and I guess the night after Unforgiven when he came, when Austin came back, because I remember, you know, the early, early vestiges of wrestling internet and people were a little skittish about, um, what the WWE was going to be like with no Austin at the top of the card could rock. Cause you know, rock was kind of predicated on being Austin's foil and vice yeah. versa. And his 2000 is so damn good. Uh, you know, obviously him and Triple H work well together. Him and Benoit work well together. Uh, you know, he 
One thing about Rock, and I noticed this while I was while I'm watching the TV, even more than the the pay per views in 2000, I feel like every Raw or SmackDown he wrestled a different person. Like I feel like he wanted to just test the whole roster. Like he, I watched, I just watched a Raw recently. It might have been the Go Home Raw before Armageddon, or maybe a couple weeks before. He just randomly had a, like a six minute match with Regal, and it was really yeah. good. It was well, really he, good. he was a workhorse. He was yeah. a main event workhorse on TV, which isn't yeah, isn't like a super common thing. You know what I mean? Like there's only a couple guys like that. You know, Cena yeah. and him. I but. mean, yeah, he really wrestled every TV show. Literally almost every TV show in 2000, he wrestled somebody, whether it was part of the tag, you know, where he's feuding with Triple H or he's feuding with Big Show or he's feuding with Jericho. Well, not really Jericho, but Benoit and the the Radicals and everything. And then the Rikishi stuff, regardless of where he was that calendar year, he wrestled every Raw, every SmackDown, every pay-per-view. The guy was an, was a hoss. And I gained a ton of respect for him in that one calendar year in 2000. And, I, and I'll always weigh that. Over the others, not not that he was bad, you know, in 01 or 02, obviously, but like Jr. said, the template is so small. I mean, so is Austin's really, but we'll get to him in a minute. But, you know, he did so much with, I don't want to say with very little, but, you know, yeah, he was a wrestling fan, but he was not like Stone Cold. He wasn't like all these guys that he loved wrestling, but I don't know if he ever wanted to do wrestling. He wanted to play football and obviously didn't do that after college, except for that little, you know cup of coffee in Canada, but he just got everything right. And maybe the, 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 the length of time template, like you said, JR might hinder, hinder him from being in somebody's top five. I mean, I know at least one person who had him number one. Um, and so I think a lot of that's kind of just a, you know, what your flavor was, you know, during the attitude era, you were either a Steve guy or you were a rock guy. And, it was very weird that that you you absolutely loved both. I mean, you had the, your few fans, but but Rock was just one of those guys that whenever he was on the stage, everybody looked. And only Austin to this point now in 2022 has that kind of moment where he walks in and the place goes crazy. No one else has that anymore. Well, I think and, too, and you you kind of mentioned it in that um, statement as well, like. 2000 is so key because they were down like their biggest star and he had to step yeah. in and fill a massive void for Steve Austin and they don't, they don't miss a beat. I mean, you know what I mean? Like no. they, just, they just keep rolling. So like, that's a big piece of his resume that he stepped in as the top face, really the only top face in 2000 that they had. I mean, they had other guys around him, but no one's at his level that entire year. Right. And he just and carries I, the promotion on his back. And like you said, works a ton in that year. Yeah. It, and and I think we also have to take into account that we had a changing of a guard backstage. Russo leaves, mm-hmm. Ferrara leaves. You bring in Kresge. And now 2000 is loaded with in-ring stuff, not just the dopey jokes that you had in 99, because the mid-card and the low-card in 99 was shit. In 2000, you start getting, you get the Radicals, you get Kurt, you got Jericho. And suddenly you're dealing with a roster of guys that actually can work their ass off. And the creative tone, The Rock really enveloped. He, 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 instead of shying away from it and being scared of it, because he would have in the back of his mind, my God, all these guys in this company are better than me. He's like, screw this. I'm, I'm going to challenge myself to be at the level of these guys who supposedly, according to everyone, are better than me. And he did that. So he's definitely going to move up on my list. Um, I won't say where, but, but he, he, um, 
he's a guy after watching this this 2000 programming i've gained a ton or more respect for than i had before hey scott um watch that 2001 jericho feud man because to me i think that's his oh it's coming up oh yeah there you know yeah i agree so yep i agree well 100 percent what about you tyler what do you got where where do you got the rock and, and what do you have to add so the rock was my number five um and he finished number seven on the overall list i mean his catchphrase said it all that he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment um i just thought he brought a constant energy to everything he did that led to the great promos that got the fans engaged and excited and you know they were funny and they were entertaining and uh, i know you know that your mileage may vary now but at the time he was definitely you know very entertaining and everybody was with him and i think that same energy led to his matches having even more juice than they otherwise would have mm-hmm. so you know and I, he's got a really impressive list of classic matches and for somebody that was his charismatic as he was he really could have coasted on that and he but he didn't you know his wrestlemania 17 and 19 matches against austin and 15's not bad either but backlash judgment day 2000 i mean really his whole 2000 like you mentioned scott is is great but you know those two matches against triple h i think were kind of nixon level uh he put over brock huge at SummerSlam 2002 and that was a great match Mm -hmm. and then uh the WrestleMania 18 match against Hogan. Oh, yeah. And then his return against Cena. Those all kind of stand out. And the, the first all... match. Yeah, the first match. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah the first yeah, match. Definitely yeah. the first one. But those yeah. are all, uh, you know, those are really big moments that were carried by his charisma and his star power um, and his versatility. We we didn't talk a lot about uh, his great work as a heel. That, um, that Hollywood Rock run in 2003, I mean, that was just next level stuff. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, let me, yeah, let, let me ask, uh, did any of y'all attend that Miami uh, WrestleMania with Rock Cena? Did not. I did not, no. No. Tyler? No? All right, so no. I was there, right? That was my first WrestleMania ever. Holy shit. What it, a moment like it's it's just one of those moments where you're like you know where were you when this happened well i was there and i'm, I'm sure y'all have had plenty of those vibes where you just feel like you're witnessing something special witnessing the return of the rock versus john cena felt special it was it was like an open door arena and you know the sound escapes in those open arenas right those open stadiums to have the sound mm-hmm stay in the stadium even though it's an open air stadium it's quite a feat man it was just something that it will live with me forever you know that attending arena mexico for the first time like um the just certain moments where you're just like okay this is special i'm never going to forget this attending a mid-south out show in 1987 with 200 people you know you just that kind of stuff sticks with you yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. anyway so yeah I, I don't know where I have the rock. Where did I have him? Does anyone know? Uh, 15. 15. Okay. Yeah, it's about right. And I, I probably knocked him for the longevity thing, you know, and uh, that's probably why, why he got knocked down a few pegs. But I, I love the rock when he was wrestling. Um, but we'll, we'll, let's move on to the next guy. Next guy. All right. 
And this is a guy who's by all rights, because none of us are old enough to have been around during his peak, but we have the network. We had video, you know, DVD tape trading before that. Bruno San Martino. Okay. Just as a historical figure, you can't deny it. Right. You just can't. Um, eight year run as champ, you know, kind of carried the company throughout the sixties and seventies, just beloved figure. Um, JT, where'd you have Bruno? I had him at four. Last time, okay. he's going to stay at four. I, I think he's got to be a Mount Rushmore guy. Gotcha. He's on my top because I just haven't seen enough of him. But, like, he's one of the main pillars. Like, he's got to be up there because the company doesn't survive without him. And, you know, like, that's fair, yeah, fair, I don't think yeah. it does anyway. Like, he's such a uh, the captain of the ship um, through those years. And, like, just a monster draw at MSG. I know we don't factor in draw and I I don't know if that's where you're headed a little later with, with it, but um, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because I know we we had made a point, like, kind of not to count that because then you just look at receipts, right? And then it's easy. So we wanted the project to be more uh, abstract than that. But that said, yeah, like, you, he, you he was an aesthetic evaluation, not not, a, not data crunching. Yeah, I'm with you. And so he, but but he did draw a shitload, right? I mean, but and it was all big time fuse with big payoffs. You get the Larry Zabisco stuff. Um, you know, the guy that was the steadying force, the first real true big star and the matches I've seen are like super fun, you know, like he's like the crowd is insane. He's bumping all around, he's throwing guys around. He looked like a monster. You know, I've like had talked to my you know late grandfather, my dad about like growing up watching wrestling and they'd always mention Bruno and uh, the atmosphere and all that. Like, so it's all real tangible things. We just don't have tons and tons of footage or at least you know, for years and have easy access has gotten easier, obviously, and there's more out there to watch. And, you know, there's been podcasts like Titans of Wrestling and others that have dove into it. Um, mm. But uh, obviously, he, he's a guy that has to be on this list. Any list you're doing of this company, he's got to be there. So, I mean, could, could some fans that maybe lived more through his era, like have him even higher? I think it's possible and I would not dispute it. For me, I just haven't seen enough to say, oh, he's like number one or number two. I have a few guys ahead of him, but I do know enough of my history to say this dude's going to be up there um, for sure. And then even like his little comeback stuff, like in the eighties with the feud with Piper and stuff with Savage, he did in, I think it was like 86 is like really cool. So like, mm. there's a lot there that is uh, just, yeah, I, I mean, how do you do a list like this for this company and not have them up there? Yeah. What, what, what about you, uh, Scott? Uh, I also had uh, Bruno at uh at number four because frankly there's no bruno there's no company end of story uh vince senior needed a an anchor to get that company started in 1963 and buddy rogers wasn't it i mean obviously is he was had health issues and da brun was the perfect guy for the northeast you know as jr and i can attest ton of Italians in this part of the country. So they all flocked, you know, and he was the guy and he worked his tail off. We're talking every month, whether it was New Haven, Providence, Boston, the Garden, Jersey, Philly, Worcester, Hartford. It did not matter. Augusta, Maine, whatever. Anywhere in this part between Maine and Baltimore, Bruno owned this region from 1963 pretty much to 1980. And you don't have him. You don't have WWF. There's no WWF. End of story. Um, and and when he came back 
when he was just doing announcing. But when he did that, I mean, he he went. You could argue because a lot of these legends kind of half-ass this shit when they come back. But Jr. can attest because we talked about it a lot on the show when we were doing that run. His Piper interactions and and the Savage stuff and Adonis in '86. He was all in on that. He was not like half-ass in that stuff. He was potatoing and he was throwing shit in those cage matches. He was all in on that on those feuds in '86. He wasn't just you know fucking around for a paycheck. He 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 was doing it, and you know he got pissed off at Vince, and then we didn't see him for years and years and years. But uh, there's no Bruno, there's no company. End of story. And and, and it, it uh, speaks volumes, Scott. Talking about that '86 run, that old ass Bruno was outshining his son. David. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, the whole reason <laughs> well, yeah. he came back was to kind of you know um, make it easier for David. Yeah, right. I, I'll never get why they didn't do that at WrestleMania one. Do the tag with Bruno, like instead of him just being at ringside, it was it seemed yeah. like so easy on paper to do Bruno and David against Beefcake and Johnny V. Like it would have Johnny V. Blown yeah. the roof off to have him in the ring. Yeah, yeah I agree, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I mean we don't count money because, well, frankly, to go back to a guy we just talked about, that would be fair to someone like Sean, who was kicking ass in 94, 95, 96, but they were, they were making nothing. There's so many other <laughs> factors years, so. to me, especially, yeah. it would be almost impossible because you get to a certain point where like individual draws aren't a thing for this company. So it's like, how can you right. really compare an era like a Bruno or even a Hogan where it was the draw um, to an era where they just, it's all about the company and this and that, like, it's just right. not possible. So that's why we didn't. No, it's not. It really. No, and, it, yeah. and, and we shouldn't, you shouldn't. Cause that, you know, the house show situation changed in the 90s and all that. And yeah, exactly. But but he'll probably stay at four. Um, I can't take him out of my top five. I just can't. I I, I would feel dirty <laughs> as a WWF fan if I moved him. He's he's a Mount Rushmore. He's an icon of the business. I was, you know, as everyone knows, you know, and I said it on the show at the time, you know, when I saw him uh, inducted live into the, into the hall of fame at the garden. You know, he was my dad's favorite wrestler. My dad had passed away just a few months before. So it meant a lot to me to see Bruno. And, and I still, to this day, the stupid ass Dolan should have a, a banner hanging there and honoring him because he made just as much money for that building as the Rangers or Knicks ever did. So <laughs> at times, so, you know, no Bruno, no company in my opinion. So he's, he's a guy that, Yes, younger generations might think is dull, uh, you know, but when you really think about it, what that guy did in those buildings in the 70s, uh, you know, just it speaks it speaks for itself. Uh, he's a top five guy forever, in my opinion. Nice. What about you, Tyler? Any thoughts on Bruno here? Uh, just he was number six on my list, and I felt like there was a clear tier of six for me. So I'm glad that uh, JT and Scott that you had him on your list so that we could talk about him because I would have it wouldn't have felt right to me to talk about my top five when really I I'd looked at it as a group of six kind of all along. Um, finished number eight on the overall list, so uh, he did pretty well uh, considering he is from a a different era. Um, and as you guys have all mentioned. He's one of those guys that personifies uh, the WWF and what became the WWE. And there's just a couple of guys that you can say that we're probably not doing these projects because the WWE, as we know it, might not be around without them. And, and Bruno's definitely one of those guys. Um, 
what I think of when I think about Bruno is he just brought a, a believability and an authenticity to his work and his promos. And there's no doubt that the fans of that era, they believed in Bruno and they connected with him on a deep level. So, That's so a great word, authenticity. Mm-hmm. I just have to yep. throw that in. It's a yep. great word. Yeah, especially for Bruno. Yeah, it just nails it. Like, he just yep. had such a connection to the crowd in that moment, at that time, in that area. Like, it was just the perfect guy for the perfect time. Yep, absolutely. And, and I'm still bitter they haven't made that a Bruno story into a, a story yet. You know, surviving World War II in the mountains mm-hmm. to become this yeah. legendary wrestler. But they wanted to embellish it the way Hollywood does. Wouldn't just tell the story straight, which would be a more intriguing story anyway. It drives me nuts. But anyway, uh, actually, I think we need to mention Bruno's feud with Larry Zabisco. All right, you know, leave Absolutely. the shakes there. Uh, I actually thought about putting Larry Zabisco on my uh, top 20 just for that feud alone, if that tells you how much <laughs> I, think, I think about that feud. But obviously, I don't know if I think Larry Zabisco would be my list. Shit, I guess I should probably put him on my next list, thinking about it. Anyway. I think I had um, him just outside the top 100 of mine. Yeah, no, I'm going to throw him in there now, now that I think about it. When, when did, when did, uh, what year did that take place? The Shea? Uh, 70, uh, 80, 80, 79, 80. Yeah, August, August 9th, 1980. Yeah. All right, he's going to be number 80 on my list. Just to keep there it goes. Uh, done. All right. All right. That's done. I'll have to drop uh, off. Will, you had Bruno. You had Bruno at 24. So you had him one notch behind Sean. On your okay. List. Okay. That that makes sense because I was using a, a different system than you guys, and, and which I'll explain uh, pretty soon. But um, having said all that, um, I can't deny Bruno, man. I just, you know, the 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 biggest thing that hurt me for Bruno on, in terms of my list. I just never got to see him live. I never got to see him mm-hmm. in his element, you know, like the guys that rank high on my list. And if I'm not watching them week to week on TV, if I'm not watching them in the arenas and only watching video footage, you know, it, it kind of um, plays with where I ranked guys. And, and we'll see that pretty soon when we get to my top five guys. Mm. Um, speaking of which, the first guy that made my top five list so far of the guys we talked about John Cena. And, um, I think he, he was in my top five. I know he, who, who's else's top five was he in Scott. Yes. He's, he's, uh, he's in mine. JT. He's in mine. He just missed mine. Okay. So I, I knew that he, he uh, mine and then Tyler's and then JT's. Okay. So JT start us off. Why'd you have a uh, John Cena in your top five? So I'm at five. Uh, I anticipate keeping him there. And I mean, nothing's happened since this last list to take him down. Cause he just hasn't done much. He's, he's in, you know, on sets purposes, pretty much retired. The little stuff he has done has still been great. Like I know this last year, SummerSlam was maligned, but nothing to do with him and his match, uh, which was still ver- very good. <clears throat> and he's a guy that, you know, completely regarded as selfless, a uh, star across the board, and a dude that could have completely coasted for years, but took it upon himself late in his career to like improve and work with all kinds of like dream match guys. Right. And like go out there and hang with them and not be carried. Like 
all of a sudden, 2015 hits, he's having matches with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and, like, just churning out classics on the back end of his career that all stand out. Like, all the AJ matches are awesome, right? The Rollins matches are great. Um, you know, he's got the, you know, there's some shaky stuff in there, obviously, that is going to weigh down on him, right? Like, you got the way the Rusev feud is handled, the way the Wyatt feud is handled. I don't know how much of that's on him. Like the matches are all fine. It's it's more like the the booking around it. And there yeah, is a but, stretch but in the there. Rusev, but the Rusev match and the the Wyatt match, they were both good. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So his end of it is fine. Like you know, it's it's the booking and the way they had him kind of go over those guys when it may not have been prudent. Um, but yes, the matches themselves are, are well worked and, and executed. I think his only real downstretch is that like oh. No, nine ten with the jbl the second jbl feud and uh i think like big show and like the stuff like that is kind of shaky but he's got so much good all the way back to his early days when you look at even the rvd stuff at one night stand fast forward to cm punk in 2011 that feud is awesome like his shit holds up you get the umaga match which is a classic uh the sean match oh i was there live i was there live royal rumble and rumble 07 right yeah, just an yep. incredible match. Um, the match with Triple H at 22 was great. Like, he's just got so many big-time matches. And another guy that the always delivers. Lesnar bloodbath, the, the one. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Extreme rules. And the and, and the Brock Lesnar catharsis match at SummerSlam uh, 14, where Brock just murders him. Like, mm. that's a big-time match. And, like, he took that beating to help reestablish Brock and help, you know, build Brock's legacy. And, and Scott, this really isn't a shot of you, but it's like, it shows a difference to me of a guy between like a him and Triple H where Triple H has a three match series with Brock, makes it a lot about him, you know, beats him in the mat. But like Cena, you know, takes it upon him to help reestablish Brock during that rebuild stretch after he breaks a streak and then just allows himself to get destroyed in that match. And I feel like that's really when the Cena super worker stuff kicks off is after that. But um and, and and he's he's just the face and like you can you, you're sitting there will right saying rock is the most famous guy ever like cena is quickly climbing that list like I, he's, he's probably still close, behind yeah. Hogan, but he's up there i mean he's getting starring roles the peacemaker stuff is like you know universally um well regarded like he's hosting morning tv shows like yes the dude has cracked the the code and uh. Um, he's a when it's all like, said and done, he'll be the second most famous wrestler to have ever been in the U.S. Absolutely. And I think just a lot of the issues weren't always with him. I think it was with the booking and with the fans that like, yes, just clamored for a heel turn that was never going to come. And instead, they kind of pissed and moaned and missed some of the greatness during that time. You know what I mean? Because they were so obsessed with him being in it and I lived it. So I'm not just like in retrospecting it. Like nope. I know there were tough stretches in there. be like, Oh God, again, but going back and looking at it, like the matches are all really good when you don't have that feeling of, Oh, like I just wanted to end like kind of ex- enjoy the greatness. Right. <laughs> Instead. Um, and that's kind of what he is. No, I agree with you completely. Scott, you had him number six, so you're not disagreeing with us. Here. So what's going on? No, absolutely not. And and that, and that may change. That may change, actually. Uh, I have gained a ton of more respect for Cena in the last, like, six or five or six years than I did before. I was not – there were pockets where I was, like, the typical Cena hater, maybe specifically for a specific feud or something. But JR made an awesome point just now. 
Cena could have could have just done his dipshit moves, the punt, you know, the knuckle shuffle and the fucking around and everything, knowing that A, he's going to make his money anyway. B, he doesn't have to care that the guys hate him. What, is, what does he give a shit? He's going to get his paycheck. And he could have just coasted. I agree with JR 100%. He didn't. He wanted to prove that the guy could go in there and wrestle anybody at any time and not have to be the one that 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 has to carry himself through a 25, 26, 27 minute match. And over time, I have gained a ton of respect for Cena. I think it might have been the the uh, AJ feud in 16, 17 that I think flipped it for me because um, those matches are awesome. And I got to see a couple of them live. So I, I, I that was a treat. Um, but I remember being at plenty of live stuff with uh, UJR, plenty of shows we went to middle of the decade where the heat was bad. I think, uh, God, in his own in his own building at Survivor Series 08, remember we ran into mm. uh, the old man at the train station and he was getting trashed at the, <laughs> at the at, at TD. Yeah, that's, if you're going to if you're going to pick a stretch that is like. You know, you're going to kind of look down on him. It's that little 0809, I think. Yeah. It's like where the Nexus. He, I think the Nexus thing hangs on him. Oh, too. that's like, bad. Yeah, that's a bad yeah. One. That's like the one time Cena like like you know big up or you know what, what's the term big up or whatever he mm-hmm. he big big timed. That's the only that might be the only time in Cena's career that he big timed where he just had to go in there and he had to flatten all those fucking guys and just murder mm-hmm. them and ruined it. Again, maybe not his decision. Wait, maybe maybe real, that was real quick. A, real quick. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. So, so mm-hmm. talk about the Nexus. Was he wrong though? Were any of those guys deserving of it? Honestly, like, yeah, maybe And he had turned by that point. But I mean, they were real hot at that point. That was only a month into the run, and hmm. he comes down for a big deficit. They DDT him on the floor, and he basically yes. no sells it and comes back and wins. So it's like that's true. That's again, true. That, that was gonna a, win, spot. a horrible spot. Yeah. You're right. I think it was like, more of a timeline thing. Had they given it maybe I mean, five or six more he can months? Lose. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. You want to lose. Like, it's you're outnumbered. You're you're fighting against, you know, uphill battle. Like, that's one where you could take the loss and get your win back later. That's all. It was just, like, real quick that they did it. Yeah, I agree. But other than that, I mean, again, JR and I are, are doing the 07 right now. And, like, the Kali stuff is, is you know, he's trying to be yeah, uh, amazingly uh, – dramatic about it and and really trying to get the crowd involved and now we begin the 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 the, the orton stuff will be coming soon and and you know he might have made guys that needed it you know you could argue that cena kind of got orton out of the because now orton's one of the most respected vets in the business well we all know that oh five oh six he was just a fucking jerk off you know mm-hmm. and i think maybe the cena feud in oh seven might have elevated him out of being a big brat and becoming what yeah. he well even become. Edge too. I mean, he helps make Edge uh, yeah. credible in '06. Like that helps. So yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. a lot of lot of positives. A lot of lot of positives. And he he made a ton of money for this company. Uh, whether the guys wanted Did, to buy anything like or a, not. Didn't have like a that wrong with Eddie Guerrero too. Who did uh, Eddie do the part with? I thought it was Cena. Oh yeah, you're right. I think that yeah, that was like on, on SmackDown, right? Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that was good. Yep. So no, nah, he's he's a he's definitely a guy that, as time will progress, uh, he's a guy that a lot of people could put on their Mount Rushmore, uh, you know, because he, uh, you know, they pretty much made him the face 
of ruthless aggression. And uh, I, I think as history continues, he's going to be remembered more and more by the generations because he'll be newer. And, may, and sadly, the guys like Bruno might get forgotten, which is which is unfortunate. But that's just how it is when it comes to stuff like that. But seen as a guy that will live forever as the guy that, again, kind of like Rock did in 2000, but on a grander scale, made the company feel OK about the unknown, you know, when. But when Batista and, and and this whole OVW class grew, everyone thought it was Batista that was going to be the face of that and Brock. And when Brock bolted and there was this giant hole, Cena filled it. And mm-hmm. and when Brock came back, he didn't have to come back to save anybody. He came back to be a, a, a good supporting character. And we'd see what he's done now after almost Jesus nine years. So uh, Cena's a guy that that I can't see anybody putting lower than 10 for any real reason i mean right. it's just it's just just what he's done for this company in the last 15 years well well he he was my number four okay and Ty, tyler where'd you have this uh i had cena at number four and he finished okay four oh okay so we kind of know that one but earlier tyler you mentioned authenticity for bruno i think that's what hurt cena you know, if anything, is that there are moments where he lacked authenticity. <laughs> like, you know, he, he was in the movie The Marine, so he starts doing the Marine salute. You know, he, he starts off as the, the white rapper, right? <laughs> but yet he's still <laughs> close to the top five for all of us. Okay, so he kind of overcame that lack of authenticity just because he busted his ass. What, what, what do you say about that? Yeah, uh, I think that uh, you know Cena's been the man of the modern era, and uh, to me, uh, you make a good point about the lack of authenticity, and I think that's where his popularity and charisma is a bit behind the other top guys. Um, but I think his in-ring work is where he really shines, uh, and, and I've grown to appreciate him more as we were doing the GWWE match list. It just became undeniable that he's one of the best big match workers that they've ever had. Yeah, for sure. So he had four matches in my top 10 and 12 on my overall list. So, and you mentioned most of them already. Um, the Omaga rumble match, that Brock match at extreme rules, um, punk one match at money in the bank. And then the match with Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam, 2013 those were all in my top 10 i mean i think those i think all of those are just incredible incredible matches um definitely had the longevity and i think he did show some versatility uh in that he would at least sometimes he would lean in to that fans quote unquote mixed reactions usually he was getting mm-hmm. his ass boot out of the building uh but the fact that he would lean into it that made the match like the match against Punk at Money in the Bank or the match that uh, JT, I think you'd mentioned against RVD at One Night Stand. Uh, the beatings from Brock, they were just cathartic. Those worked better because that's what the fans wanted to see. And, and Cena didn't run from it. You know, he could have, but he didn't. So uh, I think that is to his credit. Uh, his moments are just, there's just tons of moments. Um, uh Rock match at Mania, the first one that we mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh, the Brock beating at SummerSlam 
all the matches I just mentioned. Uh, even wait, his first win. He also had great matches with Daniel Bryan as well. Yeah, we didn't even yeah, mention like, that. That's like I know, right? I mean, that yeah. was like number one. I or number. It was top three for me, I think, on my match list. Yeah, him and Brian at SummerSlam yeah. 13 is an all-time classic. It's it almost got me to name. <laughs> and it had to follow Punk Brock, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mentioned that, and that was in my top ten as mm-hmm. well. Because okay. we're all just I, next level. Just had to th- throw that as a little foreshadowing for the next guy we're going to talk about here on the list. But um, Tyler, anything else you want to say before I jump in on Cena? Uh, only that I I had him number four. He might actually uh, move up a spot just because uh, I've grown to appreciate his his in ring work a little more and uh, a little bit of the the ill feelings of you know being over pushed or whatever you know that that's faded a little bit and you can just appreciate his work a little more. So I might he might even move up a spot. Okay, well um, I, I just want to talk about some of the matches I've seen Cena live for okay we've talked about a few of them already i was there for the omaga Omaga match in 2007 where he lifts the stairs and just hits omaga Mm -hmm. (laughs) throws the stairs out of the ring just a crazy spot and that that's kind of when my eyebrow raised you know i had that rock eyebrow raised like oh shoot cena can go you know um and i was just kind of getting back into wwe wrestling at the time um and then I was there live for a match he had with Alberto Del Rio. Okay, it was after Mark Henry and Big Show kind of stole the show when they broke the ring. Do y'all remember that? I, I yeah, forget uh, what the pay per view was. That's a really good match. I just rewatched it recently. Yeah. Yeah, but then him and Alberto Del Rio had this match. The ring's broken, yep. right? So they have this creative, mm-hmm. you know, any uh, any what is it a uh, Falls Count Anywhere match or whatever it was, you know? Um, and, and so completely different from the Omaga bloodbath. Then I was there for the Rock Cena main event at WrestleMania, the first one in Miami. Crazy, just insanity. And then I was there for the TLC 2013. When did Punk leave? 14? Yeah. So it was 2013. It was him and Randy Orton when they unified the belts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I was lucky enough to be front row for that. And when I watched it, I thought, oh, my God, these guys are doing great. Like, this is an amazing match, right? Five-star match. Just, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm living the moment here. And then when I get online, it's like people are, oh, I'm tired of Randy Orton and John Cena. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even like Randy Orton. I don't even think Randy Orton made my list. <laughs> you know? Here I am thinking, like, this was just an amazing match live, okay? And then I think I've seen other matches, some TV matches. Uh, I think Dolph Ziggler versus Cena. Um, and then San Antonio, when Cena's music hits, he blows the roof off the place every time they might do them later, but they, he just the roof, the, the, the entire arena goes nuts. Okay. But so live seen as by far one of the best performers I've ever seen live up close and at a distance. Cause I had nosebleeds at Royal Rumble 2007. So I've been right there in the front. I've been way, way in the back, you know, way up high. So both times you, you just kind of witness that this guy has this intangible here. Um, my buddy Dylan Hills uh, once said that 
nobody's had more big time main events in WWE history than Cena. I know Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania and all that, but when you think about the amount of time that Cena was there and the amount of matches, I mean, Tyler mm-hmm. listed a lot of them that he's had. I, I think that resume is pretty hard to beat, man. It's kind of why Cena's in the top five and Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania is kind of looking, you know, he's on the outside looking in, you know? And so, I think, I think we're probably missing ones too. Like, the punk oh, match on the punk match on Raw that's like awesome yes. too. Like, yeah, this is so many, yeah, just yeah. random ones out there that are just like, oh shit. Like, I know the you know, I, I, overlooked. I actually have uh, he, that match is on my my match list. It's it's from it was a number one contenders. It was right after he won the Rumble in thirteen, and him and uh, and him and Punk had a had a match for his shot on a raw sometime in late February of 13. I have it on my list. It's in like, I think it's in like the fifties or sixties, but that match is, is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Another yeah. guy like rock who literally in his prime wrestled on TV all the time, always on raw or SmackDown, mm-hmm. depending what Brandy was on. Uh, he never gave the fans a night off a night off. Like Sid, he, he had bad matches, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. And, and when you have that many, you're going to have bad ones. <laughs> like, it's just impossible. Yeah. Not. You, you, but he you also has an insane volume of great. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny. You brought up uh, Bray Wyatt earlier. And obviously, we're thinking of the New Orleans WrestleMania match. But, dude, I remember enjoying that little creep show thing that they did uh, when COVID first hit. You <laughs> yes. know? Him and Bray Wyatt doing that little acid trip. That was all right, man. You know, I know people criticized it later. But at the time, I thought... I was entertained by that, you know. It was the insanity we needed during that stretch. It sure. absolutely was. Yeah. And that was such a bad show to sit through. I mean, I think the only live match, I, well, no, there was the Charlotte match I really enjoyed, and then the uh, Daniel Bryan uh, Sami Zayn match. That was the only things I enjoyed in two nights. I don't even consider that as an actual WrestleMania. So uh, you have to. It, it, it fits. It's it's part of the lore. It's bullshit. Um, you know, it sucks, but it, it's part of the lore. But that, I enjoyed that too, man. And seen as a guy who's self-aware, like he knows, he knows he should have turned heel. You know, and the company kept him from turning heel. Like, you know, what well, one of the few things I know about uh, about WWE in the last few years is that Roman Reigns' heel turn has been considered a huge success. I'm not lying when I say that, right? Right. Okay, it's like this one shining bright spot <laughs> in the last hmm. year, year and a half. That could have been seen. Cena's heel turn would have been fabulous. It would have been amazing. And then when they turn him back face, he would have been the biggest face ever. You know, it's probably the only thing that keeps him out of the top two, to be honest with you, is that he just didn't turn heel so that the fans could love him unconditionally later on. You know, that's that's just my own view. But um, let's jump to the next guy, okay? So we're not here for three more hours. Mm-hmm. And this guy is the only guy. I think I'm the only guy who had him in my top five. And he's actually going to go up higher on my list. That's Daniel Bryan. And uh, JT, we were talking about uh, um, the way we evaluate, you know, who's on our list and who isn't. And it's kind of the one intangible I added to your NJPW system is what I call emotional investment. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. In other words, how personally, emotionally invested am I in a guy? I can look at a guy like Shawn Michaels and say, great wrestler, right? Or, or not, you know, whatever, you know, Scott, you and I have mm-hmm. had so many arguments over the years about guys like Triple H, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because you are emotionally invested in loving him as a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. I've never met a bigger Triple H fan. And I don't know if you've ever met a bigger Triple H hater than me or my buddy Dylan, right? Like, why? Well, because get a podcast mostly... the three of us. So, no, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm no. saying, though, right? Right. There's yep. emotional investment there. Sure, sure. And that's the component that makes my top five list slightly different is that I couldn't take away my emotional investment. That's why Bruno is down. That's why Sean's so far down on my list. Daniel Bryan is a wrestler. To this day, I am emotionally invested in Um, Guys, I stopped watching WWE for good. What? Like, I'm saying pay per views, drop the network, everything. 2017, I was out. You know, I was out. No more. Okay. No network, no pay per views. I did go to a pay per view because a buddy of mine who's going to be on the podcast in a future episode flew all the way from the other half of the world to come here. So I felt yeah, if there's a pay-per-view in San Antonio, I'll go with it. Right, right. Right. But literally the only time I tuned in since 2017 to WWE product was to see Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan at that WrestleMania, right? Mm-hmm. By mm-hmm. far the best match on the show. And to watch all of those amazing uh Righteous hippie Daniel Bryan promos when he had the hip belt. Okay. Mm. Amazing work. All right. So this guy, because look, when we did the list last, uh, the list last time, he was out. He's never wrestling again. He's got concussion issues. He's done. Right. His career is over. Correct. Mm. I mean, yep. it was just, he was gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it did not look like he was ever come back because he retired. It was early. 16 when he retired and we put our list together throughout 2017. So, yeah. So he comes back and has this amazing WrestleMania match with Kofi. I'm sure you guys could fill in what other matches I need to check out from that time period. Has this amazing run on the mic, you know, with, you know, uh, uh, the hemp belt. It makes Eric Rowan his tag team belt. It made me like Eric Rowan. <laughs> Gave Eric Rowan life. Mm-hmm. You know, by far Kane's best tag team partner ever. You know, made Kane interesting. I hate Kane as a wrestler. You know, like just did such great things in this company when he was never supposed to make it. You know? Yep. And he did beyond all odds. And so for me, the emotional investment that I felt watching this guy in this company after being a huge fan of his and indies. That's why he's so high on my list. And, and that's kind of why a lot of guys are so high on my list because I have that extra component of emotional investment. And when you add that in, that's why a guy like Cena is there because I've been there for too many of his great moments. Mm-hmm. I was invested in his matches because I knew he was going to put on a show, you know, and he won me over. I didn't want to cheer Cena. Right. Daniel Bryan was easy to cheer for. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I remember watching like horrible WWE pay-per-views and Daniel Bryan was opening up and stealing the show with the Miz, you know, uh, just, he always overachieved considering what the company gave him. And I was always emotionally invested. So when you remove CM Punk and then you remove Daniel Bryan, I was no longer emotionally invested in anybody in that company. There was nobody that I could cheer for, you know, on a personal level. And then he comes back by that time. It's too late. I'm already out, but I, you know, I checked back in for his Kofi match, won me over, won me over with all those promos. Half of them didn't even show up on TV. They were on uh, the YouTube channel or WWE.com. Like when he was doing photo shoots with the tag belts, amazing shit. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Never saw yeah. by anybody on TV, you know? It's like they never recognized his full potential. But I don't care because every time he was in the ring, he stole the show. He was the best match on the card or one of two best matches on the card almost every single time. Except when he got kicked in the face by Sheamus and pinned to open up that Miami WrestleMania. That fucking <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. Then he has a match of the year contender with Sheamus a month later, right? So go right. figure. Yep. They could have done it that night. There's no doubt. And we see the tear he's on on AEW right now. Right, we could have been getting that Daniel Bryan. You let that guy loose. We could have been getting that guy all this time. To me, it's like I just wish that he would have left the company sooner so he could have had this guy. Yeah, I think that was definitely a that was definitely one of those talking points. Was it when did his contract first come up? Was it like nineteen? It was right after that Kofi stuff, right? And he resigned for like two more years or something. Yeah. And I remember there was a lot of talk at that point that people were upset he didn't leave because of all the potential matches on the table. And then of course he finally did. And we're seeing why. Um, but yeah. Well, and, I, I didn't mean, he stay, didn't he stay though more for, didn't he, yeah, this did, is didn't, he stay, didn't he stay more for, uh, because of his wife and the fucking show yes. and all that shit. Yes. Yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of why he stayed. He kind of bit the bullet on that. Yeah. It's okay though. I mean, but that's a valid reason, honestly. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Not saying it's not, I'm just saying that yeah. that was, it was more of that than, than the wrestling part. Well, well, Scott, since I'm talking to you right now, where did you have Daniel Bryan on your list? And does the stuff he did in the last few years, does that move him up or down? Or where, where do you well, see him? Well, uh, I have him at, I had him at 13. Um, okay, so he's still pretty high. Oh, no. De- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, again, he was out of sight, out of mind for me by that point in 17. So when he did come back, he put some good stuff. I just watched a match recently. Uh, I think it was on one of those best of WWE playlist things on Peacock, but uh, it was in 2020 during the Thunderdome. No, actually, I think it was even before the Thunderdome. I think it was when they were still in the, the warehouse or whatever. And they were having a tournament. Uh, I think the IC title was vacant and him and AJ were the finale, were the finals. And they put on, it was, it was just a, it was a SmackDown match. It wasn't even a pay-per-view. And they put on a clinic. This match was amazing. AJ won, but it was an amazing match. Uh, I, I think I have like four or five Daniel Bryan matches on my, on my, on my other countdown and one match. And Mm. I know you, knowing you will, you remember this match amazingly. And this was one reason why I was kind of pissed, not even pissed at Cena, but I think one of the most forgotten gems during the Daniel Bryan era was him and punk at over the limit 2012, which is probably Mm -hmm. one of my favorite matches ever. 
And we forget about it because we had that Cena and fucking Big Johnny and Big Show and all that gobbledygook goulash that they would stick at the end of the pay-per-view for three straight months or whatever. Um, Daniel Bryan is Goulash is very good. Yes, Goulash is good stuff when it's not when it's not ruining a pay-per-view. No, Uh, no. Daniel Bryan is arguably one of the greatest of all time. And again, I think his choppy in and out might hurt him a little bit, kind of like the Sean. He kind of has the Sean problem where uh, he's kind of, you know, choppy in and out kind of thing. Hold on. He was only out because of the concussion deal. That was it. Well, there was no. I'm not. I'm not blaming the reason why. I'm just saying that there's there's gaps in there, and that sometimes. What's the know, other gap was, besides besides the the force to? Well, retire. he was gone for. Well, he was he was gone. Wasn't he gone in like? I mean, he left after the choking tie thing, but that doesn't really count. Uh, hey, I think that's the only time. 14. Yeah. No, I guess that's the only time. You're right. It seemed like. Yeah, more, no, he's but, consistently on. No, he's consistently yeah. on. Well, yeah. he does. Uh, I mean, no, he, it's two gaps. It is two gaps because he get. After WrestleMania 14, uh, 30, when he wins the title, he's gone for a whole year, comes back for a few months, and then he's gone. That's when he retires. Then so, I mean, I, I get that. I thought he was just gone. No, he comes oh. back in 15 um, and wins the IC title in that ladder match, and then he retires. Like, Got you. Go got on. you. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but regardless, I mean, the guy has a catalog that's unheralded. Will he move up? He's not going to move down. Uh, uh, it, it'll be tough. I'm gonna flip yeah. flop my three and four. Yeah, he he may he may stay at thirteen, but he's not going to go down. But right. I can watch. I I love watching Daniel Bryan matches. Bryan and Punk were so good together. It's funny that they're you know they both are in AEW and everything. But oh yeah, Punk and Bryan were so good together. They wrestled differently. Uh. I feel like Brian was a modern day Sean and Punk was a modern day Brett. Like Punk has his formula of how he works. Whereas Daniel Bryan was a lot like Sean where he would kind of fly by the seat of his pants without really, without really tipping his hand that he's flying by the seat of his pants. Whereas Sean, you knew he was. Um, No, I, I, I have the utmost respect for Daniel Bryan. Always one of the best. He'll be one of the best of all time. Um, he already is. A lot of people, a lot of people. The last 20 years, undeniable. Uh, I think he, I think he, um, it, it's amazing that maybe had he left ROH in 04, 03, and maybe went to OVW, not to season cause he didn't need it, but to just get in the door earlier, just think it what maybe we could have gotten. Would have never stood yeah. a chance. But yeah. He would have been, he would have been spanky. He would have been. I, Paul I would yeah. argue he should not have left ROH. I'm glad he stayed in ROH and had. Kick-ass matches because I don't know what it had him do in 2003, 2004, 2005 WWE. Plus, yeah. he got to work bigger guys like uh, Morishima and Samoa Joe. Right. You know, make exactly. him work bigger than he was. Whereas oh. before, as great as ROH was, it was smaller guys like Paul London, Christopher Daniels, you know, Loki, whoever. So, no, it, you know, I mean, he, he came in at the right time. And we're going to talk about that with my next mm-hmm. rest that we discussed, but okay. JT, well, where, where do you stand on Daniel Bryan and where did you have him last time? And is he, I'll be quick. I think you guys covered all of the, um, you know, the key points, but I had him at 13 as well. Like Scott, uh, he is going to move up for me a bit on this rev based on the comeback work, um, that yeah. he had. So I mean, I don't, 
there's really not much down in it other than like the initial stuff with Miz, but he was still working the rust off, right? Once he gets going, he's got the match with, um, does he fight AJ, fights Brock, then he's got the Kofi stuff, plus just all the random TV shows. Like they used him as a workhorse for weeks at a time. Yeah, of course. Doing double duty. And that's, I mean, you guys mentioned all the big stuff before that. Oh, actually, actually, another great Daniel Bryan performance. Um, It was Jack Swagger, Cesaro, and Ryback when he did that gauntlet in Austin. Yeah. I was there live for that, too. Mm -hmm. Just an amazing moment. Just a great – him and Cesaro wasn't a one-man show, but it felt like this great – you were witnessing this great one-man show for Mm -hmm. 45 minutes on WWE TV at the time, Mm -hmm. which is kind of unheard of. But, you know, this is really fun. Uh, really fun SummerSlam match with Barrett in there, too, like in the early years. So plus the money in the bank win. I mean, we didn't even mention the yes stuff, right? Like, I mean, that's like an all time crowd participation thing for for better or worse at this point. The only legitimate great match of Bray Wyatt's career. at Royal Yep. That, too. Um, Really good match. It was a great wrestler. Oops. You know, sorry. Well, you know, whatever. Great match of Reigns when he came back in 15. Um, and then we didn't even talk about WrestleMania 30. I mean, it's, it's like the, the awesome opener with Triple H. Best triple match match of all time. Absolutely. He's, it's definitely up there. And then um, the moment at the end, which is like euphoria for anyone who was there. So, um, yeah, 13, he's going to rise for me. He'll, I think he's still going to be outside the top 10. Um, just because I got a couple personal choices above him. But he's, uh, I mean, look, no like, don't blame me. If you. If you would have told me in 2010, Daniel Bryan would end up as a top 11 Dodie wrestler ever, you probably don't believe it just because you don't believe they'd put enough behind him to get him there. Uh, but they mm. did, and he does. So, yes, to me, he'll be right outside the top 10, but that's pretty damn good, all things considered, when you look at his um, trajectory. Yep. Oh, good deal. Tyler? Yeah, so um, Daniel Bryan finished number 20 for me last time, uh, and he finished – number 17 overall, but he's definitely moving up on my list. So um, that extra time and just the additional great matches make it undeniable to me that I think he might be possibly the best worker they've ever had on a night in and night out basis. So I'm not sure I'm going to put a cap on how high he could go. He he won't get into that top uh, tier of six, but Anything after that is on the table for me. So I want to take a look and rewatch some of those matches from his last run. Uh, and then I, I want to take a look at some of the early work kind of before he really caught fire. Um, but I think that as, as much as we talk a lot about how great a worker he is, and he, he absolutely is, but his, his charisma and character – are just equally as impressive, I think. He forged a connection in a way that hasn't been done since with the Yes movement that JTE just talked about. And the only other connection I can think of was Sophie Kingston, and that had an awful lot to do with Brian and his work as a heel, which was just amazing to get the fans behind Kofi. I mean, they were behind Kofi, but... Brian is amazing to me in that he can keep the, the fans from from being behind him when he's a heel. He gets the desired reaction. And I think both of those Mania matches are 
jump up moments and they're kind of uh, kind of good mirror images to me and um I do want to say this though, and it's it's not a knock against Brian, but just against the company. He was so successful despite shitty booking because of his natural connection with the crowd. They've used his rise as a babyface as their template for babyfaces ever since. <laughs> with astounding failures across the board. <laughs> just so bad because he was able to rise despite how they used him. You know, when he was a baby face and they've tried it. Oh, we can beat this baby face over and over again. It worked for Brian. Right. Really. Can't, you know, yeah. it's because Brian's special. But anyway, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to put him in number three. This, this list. Him and Larry Zabisco at 80 are not going to change And that's that may be one of my biggest one of my few regrets as a wrestling fan not going to see live was I mean, and there was no way to know. But the Daniel Bryan cage match thing with with Bray in oh, early 14 with the yes oh. on top of the cage that was in Providence. I didn't go because Scott and I had an interview with Steve Carino and I didn't want to cancel. Nice. And I almost went last minute. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we were both going to go. Because yeah. That was like, ended up I'd being an all time moment. And, uh, it sucks. Like, but again, who would have known that it was going to happen, but it was, right. uh, it was a classic moment. All right. Well, let's go to another guy that I'm emotionally invested in. And that was my number three on the list. Like I said, I'm going to flip-flop him and Daniel Bryan on this. Because okay? if you look at Eddie Guerrero in WWE, you're looking at from 2000 to 2005. And then in 2000, what was it, 2002, where he had to go to rehab for a little bit? Is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, 01 to 02. Yep. 01 01 to 02. He came 02. back in 2002. Right. Yeah, and he, wasn't, he, he wasn't anywhere around during the invasion. So. And, then, and then when they debuted, he breaks his arm in the first match back. And, you know, it was out a few months or whatever. But yeah, Eddie Guerrero, number three wrestler. All right. So I don't know where influence is in that little uh, list of NJPW for you guys. I don't know. Where, where, where does that fall under? Probably under like intangibles. Intangibles. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, and like I said, I got my E added on the NJPW E on there for emotional investment. I don't think I've ever been more emotionally invested in a wrestler, save for maybe like CM Punk, right? You know, uh, his peak, than Eddie Guerrero. Like, Eddie Guerrero, like, is like one of those guys where, like, when he died, it just gutted me, right? And mm. I was teaching at the time, and just to see, like, and I taught at a heavily Hispanic school, right? Like, 95% Hispanic population just to see the amount of kids that gutted when he died, right? Just, just like this classroom full of just morose kids, just huh. devastated by this news, mm. you know, just devastated. Um, but like here I was a teacher, just devastated too, you know, when he, when he died. Okay. And um, just one of those guys I was emotionally invested in, but let, let let's, uh, Consider the stuff like the great feud with Ray, the 2005 feud of the year, him versus Ray Mysterio. Okay. With one of the all time greatest promos ever with him behind the cage. Do you know which promo I'm talking about where he's talking to Ray Mysterio? And he's yep. like, Ray, you took mm. everything from me. And he's just rubbing his nose and his face against the cage. And yep. He's like, you know, just spine chilling moment. Like, just, you know, and Eddie, like, 
he was already great in WCW, but now he takes it to another level. Um, JBL bloodbath, an amazing match. The Brock match, pretty damn great. Like, but when we talk about influence, think about this. You can look at guys like Simon Brett and say, oh, you know, oh, they paved the way for the smaller guys. Dude, they're six foot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're six foot, 200 plus. Okay. Whatever. Like, Brett's a thick guy. He's a, you know, whatever. Look at Eddie Guerrero. The dude was five foot five, five foot six. Okay. And yeah, granted, he used the gas to pump up or whatever, but he's still a little guy who always appeared larger than life. Right. Without the success of Eddie Guerrero, we're not talking about Daniel Bryan. We're not talking about AJ Styles. We're not talking about Sami Zayn, you know, all of these guys here, short, small ROH guys, right? That happens because of guys like Eddie Cabrera. And to a lesser extent, you know, your Crispin Wallace or whatever. You could argue Chris Jericho, but that dude wore lifts, so he was cheating. Okay. <laughs> so let's just let's just let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> no, Eddie Guerrero was that template for these ROH guys coming before anyone else did. Okay. Just facts. And then you add the emotional investment I had. You add all the great matches and moments he had. Even if he didn't have great matches, he had great moments, right? The vignettes with Los Guerreros. Making China an interesting character. Other people argue other people had something to do with it. I don't think so. Whatever. The tag team with Tajiri, you know, um, I just thought, you know, the, 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 the great, you know, cheat to win stuff with Kurt Angle. Okay. Just so many great moments, memorable moments, memorable matches. Add my emotional investment, top five guy all day, every day. Now, I know I'm the only one here who had him in the top five. I just felt like I had to say my piece there to make it clear why I put him in my top five. What say you, JT? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great argument, and I'm not going to lie. Your sales work on Eddie back in 2017 uh, definitely helped where I had him on my list, and that was at uh, 18, which I think is still pretty damn good, considering, again, it's a guy with not the longest run. I mean, he's right. only got a few years in Dota yeah. but tons of classic and, and moments and matches. successful as The Rock or, you right. know, as Stone Cold or whatever for that limited amount of time either. Yeah, no, I get it. But I mean, I had him ahead of guys like Undertaker, Andre the Giant, Ultimate nice. Warrior, like other big stars. You know, like he's ahead of right. those guys for me, which shows the respect. And, uh, you know, great as a tag, great as a heel, great as a face, great character, memorable moments up, up the ass from him. Like just yeah. tons. One of the guys that could work and do the character aspect from that group that came over from WCW. Right. Like he was the one you could argue he was, you know, easily the most successful and the best of the bunch by far. You know, I'm someone I didn't include Benoit on my list, but even if I did, I'd have Eddie higher than him, um, just based on the fact that I think he was the more all-around um, complete package. And uh, yeah, like I think, I mean, again, you you covered it real well. Well, just do more so to the emotional attachment, but to me, he's worthy of a spot that high, um, just based on his body of work. Another guy that really didn't have much bad on his resume. Uh, at all maybe just that one one night stand match with benoit <laughs> ends up being weird but other than that like the rest of it is all um high level work and you really wonder if he could have hung on a little bit longer like he was on the verge of probably having a really cool heel title run 
Uh, I'm sure he was going to beat Batista at some point for the title in that little stretch. And that was a really fun feud. And he was supposed to fight Shawn Michaels possibly at WrestleMania 22, which could have been a classic. Um, so it just sucks that we got robbed of those couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. What it could have, should have, man. Shit. What about you, Scott? Uh, I, I'm just, not, I'm going to be brief. I'll echo what you guys said. I actually had him at 14 on my list. Actually nice. one notch behind Daniel Bryan. He might move up too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I agree with Jr. that I think Eddie gets understated of that of that uh, WCW crew. I think everybody as again, as I'm watching 2000, I think everybody thought that Benoit was the crown jewel of that quartet. Um, but I think Eddie was unheralded. He did make China a little more interesting than than if he didn't if they didn't have their little thing together, the whole Playboy thing and him trying to break into the Playboy mansion. And that shit was funny. The the you know the stretch he had with RVD, including when he beat the shit out of the fucking guy that jumped in the ring uh, in that raw match, the raw yeah. ladder match. Um, uh, you know the the, the run he had his world champ. From what I heard about what you just mentioned, I think he was supposed to win the title on that SmackDown the week after he died. I think he was supposed to, that, that's, I read somewhere. That or he the was paper, what wasn't a Survivor Series? Yeah, he was supposed Survivor to wear, I think he was supposed to, uh, yes, uh, well, he lost at No Mercy, right? Or they do the DQ, and then he dies. Right. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he was supposed to win at Survivor Series. Yeah, he was going to end with back, yeah. Or SmackDown, it was one of those in there, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, he, he, um, I mean, I, I had a couple of his WWE matches. Obviously, I have his match, not to count, not counting in this uh, template, but I have his, you know, his match with Ray. It's Havoc '97s, like in my top five, I think, or mm-hmm. six. Um, but obviously, we're not talking about that that uh, body of work. But he uh, he was just an amazing worker who um, should have been more confident in his abilities that he didn't have to be on the sauce because he. I mean, maybe next to the occasional, you know. Triple H back or maybe even like uh, Batista uh, Eddie's back knee was kind of rough at times. You could tell that he was he probably need, didn't need to go as far as he did because he was so damn good in the ring. He didn't need to be because at one point, I mean, he was like almost misshapen and it was really sad to watch. And it broke my heart because well, he didn't need to look like they were all drinking. it. They were drinking it. Oh, yeah, they were drinking it. And it was Ray's death or Ray's death. Eddie's death that sadly smacked, slapped them all into, well, to a certain extent. And then, of course, what happened to Benoit, they really got slapped in the submission. But, no, nah, I mean, Eddie's amazing. And he, based on what I might do with Daniel Bryan, uh, uh, Eddie may move up a notch uh, on my list. But I, I think 14, like you said, JR, I think him in the teens, is, I think, is a perfect template for, for, the, for the impact he made in the company in the last 20 years. Tyler. Yeah, I had uh, Eddie at number 17 last time, and he finished number 13 on the overall list. Um, I think, you know, he had really great character work. I love the lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, He was a great worker, and everything always just looked so crisp. I mean, that's something that always stood out to me. Uh, And I've uh, I've been watching, or I've appeared with uh, Jacob Williams on some of the ruthlessly aggressive podcasts and so i've got a chance to kind of see those matches again and he just always looks great everything looks crisp uh, i think that you know week in and week out 
during that time, the time of the SmackDown Six, man, he had a lot of hidden gems. So, um, I mentioned the Brock match is kind of an all-time match and an all-time moment, and definitely the crowd was 100% with him then. Uh, and you know, well, I'm glad you mentioned the JBL bloodbath because I had, didn't have that one down, but I I remember really loving that. So, uh, still, just you know, too bad he had such a short run, and and I wish there he'd had more opportunity to have more moments and more classic matches. All right. Well, I think we did Eddie justice and hopefully people will uh, raise them up on their list, <clears throat> including the three of you. But anyway, let's move on to our next guy. Um, this guy, I, I don't know if we really need to speak about this guy a lot, even though he's like one of the top three biggest guys ever in the history of wrestling. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> JT, what, what what can we say about him that hasn't already been said, honestly? Yeah, and I had him at number three on my list, and uh, as of right now, I'm penciling him in likely at number two of swapping him. Um, I don't know what else to say. Obviously, one of the biggest draws, one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest in-ring wrestling star, um, just a, a manic performer, an all-timer on the mic, a great heel, a great face. You know, rewatching um some of stuff like even in 99 when you think maybe he was fading like he's still super over mega over pops through the roof uh could work a brawl could work a straight match he's got the greatest match uh for my money in, in wrestling history in company history against bret hart wrestlemania 13 and that's only his second five-star match for bret hart uh so it's like it's just crazy the volume again like just big time worker big time star delivered you know Classic after classic. He's got multiple five-star matches during his title reigns uh, and, and just big-time moments. Legend. Scott. Uh, I had him at two, uh, he, and he's not moving from there. Um, when I said earlier that Bruno made the company, well, Austin saved the company. And that's why I have him one notch above another guy that we'll probably be talking about shortly. If if Austin was not there, we'd be having it'd be the Peacock would be the WCW network. There's, I don't think there's any question about it. WWF was in bad shape in that late 90s, and they were losing money hand over fist. But the one guy that just kept sitting there and picked away and picked away, and his character grew and grew and grew to the point where in '98 he was a uh, he was off the charts. Uh, he said one line at the 1996 King of the Ring, and everything changed. Everything changed. You want to talk about a promo that, that changed history? One line. And the next night, there were T-shirts all over the place. And he just learned. He, 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 he bought into Vince's uh, uh, thinking, even whether, whether Vince was comfortable with it or not, that we had to kind of change, they had to kind of change the template of the company. But... That that guy's amazing. It'll always be amazing. Save the company from bankruptcy. Save the company from losing the war. And I've got matches up and down the dial uh, on my on on my list. Uh, believe it or not, I, I'm one of those weird ones. I actually like Brett and Sean. Uh, Brett and Sean. Uh, Brett and, and Austin at Survivor Series '96 even better than than '13. That's not um, that weird, man. I find it pretty divided every time those two matches come up. Yeah, I have I have them back to back. I think I won at six and one at five, or one at eight and one at seven, something like that. But anyway, uh, but I have a ton of 
Oscar matches. I have him and you know him and Dude from Over the Edge '98. Uh, uh, all three matches were Rock. Um, you know, just he's just amazing. His Kurt series, I know Jr. Him and mm-hmm. Kurt at SummerSlam 01, one of your personal favorites. I had it in my top 15. Just the guy was amazing. He was amazing. He got it. He was a fan as a kid, and he got it. And he knew at that moment after Montreal when literally we were a, a, a hair breath away from WCW winning the Monday Night War that Stone Cold saved it. And and then Rock jumped on, and then we went from there. But he's he's – He's a Mount Rushmore that'll never be moved. His face will never be removed. Interesting. What about you, Tyler? So I also had Austin at number two, and he finished number two on the overall list. He may be the best character they've ever had. He may have the best promo the company ever had with Austin 316. That's definitely the most famous promo they ever had. When we did the uh, GWWE match bowl, uh, his match against Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 won, and it wasn't close. So, I mean, you could make a really good argument. He's got the best character, the best promo, the best match the company's ever had. Just, you know, an all-time great. Um, I had nine of his matches on my GWWE match list. The moments, I mean, I, I don't even know where you start. Stunnering Vince, the beer bath, hitting Vince with the bedpan. So on and so on. Um, I think Stone Cold took the WWE to heights that I don't think anyone thought it could go. So uh, I think Scott did a good job covering all the classic matches. I had all the same ones, so I won't go into any, that any any further. But uh, he will definitely be staying at least at number two, and I, I will be reevaluating and seeing uh, Stone Cold might be my number one this time. Hmm. Still with us, Will? Did he throw on some Eddie Guerrero matches? <laughs> That's right. He might have had a uh, – he's on mute. May have had a dip for a second. But um, <laughs> I think it's like no surprise that Austin uh, – there he is. He's back. Will, you back? Nope. All right. Um, I know he's probably going to have Austin high. I know he's a fan of him. And not a surprise to me in any way that he finished as high as he did. Me um, so – well. well while we're waiting, let me check Will's. I have his list in front of him. Let me check Will's. Uh, where did Will have? I'm looking at some of these names from our original bracket and or from the original ballot. And my God, we're talking about. I think I have him top top twenty for sure. Uh, I'm gonna look for you right now, sir. Uh, where Will from Texas? Where is there? It is Will from Texas. You had him at uh, 16. You had him. You had yeah. you had Rock and you had Rock and Austin back to back. 15, 16. Oh, I had to. Yeah. But I think it was that emotional investment deal. And mm-hmm. just just to move on to the next guy, the reason um, <clears throat> I had him so low is because of that emotional investment. If you look at guys above him, I was just emotionally invested in those guys <clears throat> more than Austin. That was it, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Having said that, I think to sum this up, we can sum it up where Hulk Hogan made Vince McMahon a millionaire. Austin made him a billionaire, right? That's the old line, the old cliche. And I think it's true. So anyway, let's move on to the next guy. 
Sorry, I had a coffin fit, so I put myself on mute. I don't know if you all heard that. <laughs> no, you're good. You covered it. You got. Uh, we're good. We're good. Good deal. So, let's go to the number one wrestler for me, JT, for Scott. Where did you have him at, Tyler? Where did you have Randy Savage? I had number three. All right. We might have to kick you off this call. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, but no, no, look, here's the thing about Randy Savage. If you grew up in the 80s, you might have been a Hulk Hogan fan, but you were imitating Randy Savage. Simple as that. You're like, oh, yeah. You know, you were imitating Randy Savage. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I did not cheer for the heels. I was not an asshole as a kid. Okay. I always thought people who cheered for heels were assholes. I hated guys like Ric Flair, all right, who was the cool heel. I hated, I don't know, all of the heels, including Randy Savage. But it's kind of weird when you're a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid, and you're like, why do I like this heel? You know, this guy. <laughs> it's because he's so damn entertaining. Because he's so damn iconic. Because he had so many great matches, so many great moments. There's a reason he's my number one. And that emotional investment I had going on that journey of just hating Randy Savage. Hating the way he treated Miss Elizabeth. Wishing George the Animal still would, uh, you know, uh, show him uh, who's boss, right? (laughs) Until you realize, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. I kind of want Savage to win this one. Because I really don't like George the Animal still. You know, he's playing with my emotions like that. Like the guy is such an icon that to, for me, when you combine all of the things that you guys evaluated people on, combined with my emotional investment for Randy Savage, done deal. Number one wrestler of the company ever. I don't care how much money he drew. When you factor in the matches, his importance, his name recognition, um, and plus how I felt about him personally, easy number one. What about you, Scott? I, one sentence you just said, Will, summed up why he's the greatest of all time. You said you don't root for the heels. You didn't want to root for Randy Savage. You wanted to hate Randy Savage. You know what that means? Did his job right. He didn't want you, yeah, but, but he was a bad up, guy. I he didn't up cheering for him anyway. He was the only heel. I know. I know, right? I know. My brother loved Savage. My brother, my, see, my brother was yeah. My brother was an asshole. He liked all the heels, but there's it, it doesn't matter what template you use. It doesn't matter where you check the boxes. The fact remains, Randy Savage did everything perfect. Whether it was cutting a babyface promo, whether he was cutting a heel promo and he's treating Elizabeth like dirt, or whether him and I mean. I definitely did when JR and I did our 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 recent 80s uh, Federation era run. I gained a whole new respect for Sherry. Him and Sherry in 89 were so – in 89 and 90 were so great. Uh, and he got you to hate him. He got you to love him. And everything that Savage – that involved Savage was emotional. Everything was emotional. Like you were – you know, you got so drawn in. On everything he did, whether it was win or lose. And that was a guy 
who knew when the lights shined the brightest. He's the one that delivered. He was Shawn Michaels before Shawn Michaels. And, and even though Hogan had all the main events, maybe half of Hogan's WrestleMania matches are any good. But other than George Steele, and you know maybe the tournament at four, because that goes back in and out, but that's just the way it was booked. When those lights shined bright in late March or early April, no one showed up ready to go more than he did. When it came to Steamboat at three, still my favorite match of all time, and I don't care what anybody says. Hogan at five. I mean, Jesse's commentary just makes that match too. Um, one of JR's favorites and mine, him and Warrior at seven. That'll never be duplicated. Talk about motion in that one. No, we we never had retirement matches back then. The pathos in that match. Not only does he lose, his move, his finisher gets buried, and then and then his manager dumps him and starts kicking him in the gut. And then Elizabeth and the crying, and he's sitting on the show. I mean, Jesus, what the hell do we just go through in that forty-five minute block? That's what made Randy Savage great. From beginning to end, from hating him to loving him in the same hour. Nobody else can do that. Not many anyway. And then him and Flair at eight. When we all wanted Flair and Hogan. Well, I did anyway. And but I will take Flair and Savage at the Hoosier Dome. That match is fucking amazing. Awesome. And yeah, and even him and Crush at ten. Even if you thought that that was his last match, who cared? Who cared that they didn't understand the the last man standing rules or whatever the hell they were doing? It was still Savage. That guy could bring the emotion out of you like nobody else could. And you'd have to really give me a viable argument why anybody else for me but him, number one. It's going to take a lot. All right, JT. Yeah, I mean, he's he's my number one. I think Scott really nailed on the biggest strength is that every single feud – major feud he was involved in always had such emotional high stakes that you got wrapped up in whether it was George Steele, Ricky Steamboat, Honky Tonk Man, like everything from there to the end always just had this. Oh, him and Jake. Win. Him and yeah, Jake. Everything bit by the pulled you in yeah. and you got so connected to it and you believed in it and yeah. it made you believe. And, you know, he was one of the guys that you made you feel like he thought it was real, right? Like, like he's like, it meant so much to him in every match, every moment. And I think what gets overlooked, too, is his early years is how fast he was and how quick he would move. Uh, just incredible yes. speed in the ring. Yep. Um, his selling was unbelievable as a face. His work on top was great as a heel. Yeah, even made what could have been a goofy gimmick with the King work. Just made it like he's the only guy that ever made that gimmick. I mean, besides Lawler, obviously, but he's the only one that ever made that gimmick like real and not goofy. <laughs> like it just it made him feel more regal to be King. And just he he carried it. Um, and just so, I mean, combined in ring, combined emotional attachment, combined so many big storylines and his whole career in the WF is a story. Like he comes in and picks Elizabeth as his manager and treats her like shit. And his, you know, book ended by reuniting, apologizing. They get married. He wins a title and, you know, him and Liz celebrate like, right. I mean, I know he hangs around a little bit longer after that, but for all intents and purposes, like that's his in-ring run right there. And it's, it's an incredible that's story like, arc. Six, that's his arc. Yeah. 
yeah, it's like an eight year story oh. arc of like him and Elizabeth. Um, you know, he, she leaves him for a while. He goes with Sherry. Like it's just all comes back to him and Liz in the beginning and in the end. And it's like just such a perfect story. And um, to me, I don't know. There's no one else in the company history that had every feud mean so much and be so intense and delivered top flight matches. So, yeah, he's to me, he's he's always been number one. He'll always be number one. OK, Tyler, you didn't have to be number one and, and you're my age, so I don't understand why you don't. But um, why isn't so, he your number one? That's all I want to know. So uh, he must be like the most universally loved wrestler because I don't know anyone that doesn't at least like Savage. And uh, the fact that I have him three and I'm having to defend myself. Uh, yes. Also, by, by the way, Will, <laughs> you also didn't have him number one. Yeah, I did. You had him number two. <laughs> oh, fuck. It happens. Disc. <laughs> Disc. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Well, that's going to change, I think. Maybe. <laughs> Who'd I have him number one? Right. You, we'll talk about him in just a minute. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about him. Okay, I, right. I had a little bit more on Savage, though. So, I, I mean, I agree with everything that you guys had talked about. The <clears> fact <throat> that he had that long story arc, great narrative arc of his entire run. Um, the one thing that I would add is that if it wasn't for Steamboat Savage at WrestleMania three, I wouldn't be doing these projects. That was the first great match I ever saw, so, you know, when it was becoming popular when I was a kid, there was a lot of you know, punchy, ticky things, you know, and it was fine. I liked it, but I didn't, you know, it didn't catch fire yet. But when I saw Steamboat and Savage, I was like, okay, there's more here than that. There's that I can get into. And, you know, I've been, you know, hooked off and on since, but it was because of that match. See, my, my first show I ever watched on pay-per-view or uh, live uh, circuit, what was it called? Closed circuit or whatever? Was Close WrestleMania yeah, 2. Right? So that was him and George Steele, correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, the minute Savage came in, and, and the only thing I want to add to this case, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, caught me on that, Tyler, because uh, – that never let me get away with shit talking, all right? And not being able to back it up or <laughs> put sticking my foot in my mouth. I do that quite often. Um, is that if you were growing up in the 80s and you were watching Savage, you always had the promos for the uh, local arenas, like coming to the Nassau Coliseum or Poughkeepsie, New York. Macho Man, you're going to be facing Tito Santana, right? Or whatever. Those are the best Savage promos where he's in him and Liz are interacting with me and G over and over again, just every week talking about the matchup that he's going to have and just doing that week after week after week. That's not even talking about the huge angles, right? That he was a part of just, if you're able to watch those promos with him and me and G week after week, just hyping up some random house show match. That's the treasure. You know, and I'm um, also want to mention that in 1986 in Phoenix, Arizona, I was lucky enough to see a doubleheader of Jake the Snake versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Randy Savage versus Tito Santana. Just amazing back to back, you mm -hmm. know, doubleheader. And so I have seen 
Randy Savage live at his peak. And so uh, I can't believe I didn't have him at number one. Did I really have Ray at number one? I'm looking right at your thing, man. I'm looking right at <laughs> you. All right. Whatever. Yep. Shit, I'll take him at number two. I, I can defend Ray at number one, by the way, so I'm not worried about it. Anyway, uh, let's go move on to Randy Savage's arch nemesis in life and in the ring, uh, Hulk Hogan. <clears throat> Where did I have Hulk Hogan, Tyler? Uh, uh, Scott, I don't have your list. Scott, do you have that? Uh, you had him at 14. Okay. Uh, behind Mark Henry, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, you that's, did. <laughs> that's where Hogan belongs, standing behind a black man, staring at him, reminding <laughs> him that he'll never be. Anyway, yeah, I, I can't deny Hulk Hogan as, a, as an iconic figure as part of my childhood. But, yeah, man, I can't put him in my top ten just because he's such a Like, I don't know. Just, just kind of so deflated. Anyway, whatever. I don't want to talk about that. JT. Where'd you have him and why? I had him at two uh, originally, and he is likely as of right now. I think I'm going to flop him with Austin and move Austin ahead of him. And but I'm going to keep him in the top four. I mean, he's going to be a three. I, I yeah. like you know I, <laughs> I don't know how he's not like right. I mean, I get your parameters and, and how you look at it, but for me, well, like once he's again, emotional investment. It, it's right, that emotional. Right. Yeah. But when you have negative emotional investment, that's going to hurt you on my list. You know? Right, right. So, I mean, obviously, you know, loads of mega moments, a massive yeah, icon yeah. in the company, carried the company, biggest in-ring star that they've ever had, money-making across the board. WrestleMania is because of him. Comes back, has the match with The Rock, which is great. Like, I mean, just whatever. He's Hogan. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't think there's not much more needed. Like Austin, like he's he's up there. Okay. What about you, uh, Scott? Uh, I had him at three, and he's going to stay at three. Um, what he's do you say? He's more of WWE icons, right? Like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. got to be. He's got to Got you. No, he's Hogan. He, like him and Austin are in similar slots. You know, Hogan was going to explode in the 80s. It was just a question of whether Vern Gagne was dumb enough to get rid of him or not, and he was. And Vince was smart enough to realize what this guy had. Uh, and what this guy could give him, and and he's the he was the face of the national expansion. Um, but yeah, it's Hogan. It's, what, what else are you gonna say? He made, he made a, there's a lot of wrestlers that have said some dumb things in their life, and I don't think that should you know they uh, dumb or not, the guy is the guy. So, um, but I get I always I'll I'll always put Austin ahead of him because Hogan just took an already successful regional company and made it national. Austin saved WWF from bankruptcy. So that'll always be a, that, that, that's like the one little Nick that I'll give Austin the edge over Hogan just from two to three, but you're splitting hairs. Both guys belong on the Mount Rushmore. It's Hogan period. That's fair. It's fair. Plenty of great matches too. I mean, Hogan was a workhorse. Him and Kamala had like this great, great match in like late 86, early 87, around the same time that, you know, PWI had the, the great uh, cover, one of those magazines had the great cover of Kamala with Hogan's head on a spike. You know, yeah. Yep. Uh, was was that PWI or the wrestler or inside wrestling? I think it was PWI. I think it was PWI. Jr. Okay. and I watched this. Jr. and I watched this amazing hidden trilogy that he had with Morocco in '85. 
That was really oh, that was wow. like, okay, like that, that was crazy. Sucks. Yeah. yeah. So if him and Morocco had great matches, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, April, May, what was it? It was either April, May, June, or May, June, July. I don't remember what it was, but it was a three and it ended with a and the third match was in a cage. And it was really okay. good. It was really fun. Okay. I'm gonna take Hogan it. I trust both of Hogan, you guys. So well, you know, don't make Hogan, me watch Don Morocco matches. So. Hogan, oh, I love Morocco. Oh. Uh that's another guy that <laughs> um Hogan's one of those guys who understood the difference between TV matches and like non-TV matches. Cause Jr. and I have watched a ton of pretty good MSG house show matches mm-hmm. where the equivalent on television looks nothing like the match at the garden. Right. Um, you know, it's just, and listen, everybody says that all those, all those tournaments that he wrestled in Japan in 81, 82, completely different than anything we ever watched here. So, you know, whatever it is what it is, but he's a, he's a Rushmore guy. He's also right. over longer than you think. Like all through '91, he's still mega over. It's really not to yeah. Rumble '92 when he leaves that it fades. Like he's still red hot through all '91. Yeah, yeah. We we figure that out. No, no yeah. yeah, and and, and still having legitimately great matches mm-hmm. all the way through '87. You know, '87 is yep. kind of when he started getting his formula. Where, but before that, man, that guy was bleeding. He was bumping. He was, you know, I just think yep. that the so many days on the road nonstop for years finally caught up to him where it's like hey i gotta do more pandering to the crowd and playing up you know yep. instead of having like putting my working boots on you know um i just you know but when you're on top that long you know with that crazy 1980s wwf schedule like i don't even blame him you know so you know tyler what say you man so i had hogan number one um he finished number three overall. Uh, we didn't talk about Savage. He finished number one overall, in case anyone listening wasn't aware of that. But mm. um, uh, Hogan, to me, is just synonymous with the WWF. And, you know, for anyone that grew up in the 80s. And and I think that without Hogan, I just doubt that the WWE becomes what it does. And we're, we're probably not doing this. I said the same thing about Bruno, but I think it applies to Hogan as well. Uh the charisma just off the charts and uh he was the perfect guy at the perfect time to be the perfect hero for the rock and wrestling era um you were talking about his work and it did become formulaic but i agree that you know early on especially was really really solid and he worked that formula so well especially early in his career he always knew the time to make his come back he had that down perfectly so uh you know, classic matches with Andre and Savage and Warrior. And then when he came back uh, with Rocket at WrestleMania 18, um, the moments are they're too numerous to count, but all the way from starting with the war to settle the score and the big event, his feud with Paul Warndorf is amazing and kind of gets, uh, I don't know if he gets overlooked, but maybe doesn't get as much love as maybe it deserves. Yeah, Mel- Meltzer's saying that that's a, uh... One of the biggest arguments Paul Orndorff should have for being in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame is that run with Orndorff. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yep. sure. I agree. So, you, you know, Andre turning on him, um, that swimming Andre at WrestleMania 3, and then the, the main event where, you know, Hebner, how much did they pay for the plastic surgery, brother? And all the way to the Mega Powers angle and, and the, uh, you know, the Warrior match, of course, was huge. Just 
just so iconic. Uh, I don't know that how much more I would have to say. Um, as I mentioned when I talked about Austin, I'm going to reevaluate these two. So I, I may flip those two as well, but, nah, you know, Hogan's Hogan. Hey, but you know, you know what we're ignoring here? This is return in 2002. That's a pretty damn good matches. Besides mm-hmm. the rock match, had the match mm-hmm. with um, with Edge, right? Or the tag team with Edge, which was pretty good. Yep. Uh, yeah, the they, angle's good. Yeah. So, and he ended up losing to Brock, right? Or he never lost to Brock. Yeah, on TV he did. And then, of course, the Vince yeah, match is awesome, too, at Mania. Oh, the Vince match is like one of my favorite Hogan matches ever. That Vince yeah, match. so, I mean, so... So that's actually a feather in his cap, honestly. That's a pretty damn good year for a broken down old man, you know. So, mm. yeah, anyway. his comeback to the WWE beat the shit out of anything he was doing in WCW for years and years. Uh, I'd, I'd say for like two years, but yeah, I, I, I got you. I, I feel what you're saying because all the way, all the way up until that Sting match, man, Hogan was fire, and then after that, it kind of fell off the wheels, but. You know, but yeah, for a couple of years in WCW, it was dog shit. But man, he was lighting it up. Like '94, he was having great matches with Flair. '95 was absolutely sure. But hold on, but '96 all the way through early '98, man, Hogan was fire. Even if his matches weren't great, man, you still tuned in every week, Nitro, just to see, you know, what was going on, man. And Hogan was a big part of that. It was, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of that early '98 through. 2000 when he left so it was kind of like two years of a super hot nwo run and then two years of dog shit you know yeah, I'm, I'm not arguing his, his character and that he wasn't over because no doubt hollywood hogan oh you're talking about match wise the match yeah absolutely weren't, weren't good for a while yeah no you're you're right about that um all right guys let's go to my number one who i didn't even realize i had a number one actually i guess i'll switch them around so maybe i won't actually you know what all right, so first I'm going to explain why Ray was my number one, okay? And uh, I never have original ideas. I just steal from other people, okay? I freely admit that. Um, I mentioned my buddy Dylan Hells earlier, and he said that Ray Mysterio might be the greatest television wrestler of all time, okay? That really had a profound effect on me because I had to think about that, like, really hard and think – is that true? No, sur- surely there has to be somebody who week in and week out had great matches, you know, every week. And I couldn't think of anybody who could beat them. And then mm-hmm. we're talking about like just week in, week out, always having great, good to great matches on TV every time it was on TV. And Ray Mysterio, there's nobody. Because in the 80s, it was mainly squash matches, right? In the 90s, it was squash matches. Then when you get um, uh, marquee matchups, there was a lot of chicanery and run-ins and Russo bullshit, okay? And then when you 2000s, it, it's, you know, everybody who was in the SmackDown 6 was already in the company until Ray came in, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it became the SmackDown Six. <laughs> the only guy who, who wasn't there before was Ray. So I credit mm. that whole SmackDown Six run, not necessarily giving all credit to Ray, but Ray's kind of the guy that lights the fire. Like Eddie's got his guy back. Obviously, Ben Walken wrestle with Ray. 
Um, Kurt Angle and Ray had great matches. Edge and Ray were a great tag team. Like, just those guys, all of a sudden, everything clicked. Eddie, uh, Ray and uh, Chavo always had uh, good matches together, sometimes great matches. You know, that's Ray. And then you move on to Feud of the Year in 2005. Then you move on to that awesome uh, uh, just matches year after year with any opponent you put them in. Undertaker, Mark Henry, um, Finley, just the list goes on and on and on. Then he has like this great feud with Jericho. He has the great feud with Punk. The, that, that, that was some of the best stuff ever was that straight edge society uh, mask versus hair stuff with Punk. Okay. Mm. But he just kept going. Just every time he was in the ring, always putting on great matches, regardless of the opponent. You know, always a baby face, never a heel turn. And he didn't get those like 50 50 booze cheers. The only time I've ever heard Rey Mysterio booed like he was was in peak, when he came in at number 30 at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> it should have yeah. been Daniel Bryan. What a shit position to put Ray in. Just a horrible way. To, 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 to kind of uh, undermine Ray at that point. But week in, week out, no one better than Ray Mysterio. Like, constantly on TV for nearly 20 years. And at the time when I made this list, at least, what, 15 years, 14 years? You mm. know, injuries here and there. He's out six months here, out three months here, whatever. But every time you put that guy on TV, he's giving you a good to great match. Nonstop for over a decade. No one else. I mean, think about it. And if you go back to WCW just as a career, who else has had consistently as many great TV matches as Rey Mysterio for that long? Mm. There's nobody. Savage slowed down. Hogan slowed down. Austin was like this brief fire and he disappeared. Rock disappeared quickly. You know, Cena had just as many bad matches on TV as he had great matches, right? His great matches were like those pay-per-view moments. And then when he had somebody who could go on TV, he had the great TV matches. But, you know, Ray consistently, every year, every week, just nonstop great matches. And so I, I had to, to think about that, and it's just true. You know, I used to make these uh, match of the year comps. And I made them from like 2005 to 2012, back in my bootlegging days. And I'd always have like a disc set aside for like TV matches. And all of those TV discs were filled up with Rey Mysterio matches, <laughs> you know, like all these SmackDown Rey Mysterio matches for years because he was just that damn good. Mm. And that's why I had him in my top five, you know. And, you know, if, if work rate or, or Let's let, let let's rephrase this from work rate to consistency. Consistently great week in week out. I don't think there's anyone more consistently great than Rey Mysterio. Having said that, I haven't seen anything of his from the last five years, so I don't even know if that still applies. But it definitely did up uh, up until when I we did the first poll. What, what say you, uh, JT? Uh, it's a compelling argument. <clears throat> I had him at 19 last time, and I think some of that was driven by your argument last time. Um, I'm g probably going to drop him a little bit more into like the mid-20s, which is still, again, pretty high. 
when you think of all time and the volume of workers that we're including. And I agree with you. Like he's extremely consistent. I think where I, where I'm struggling with him is I don't know what the great stuff is like storyline wise. He's got the Eddie, which is great story. Yeah. That's and great. really, really, story. really good matches. And yeah. And the punk story is good, but that's like two over. That's just me. Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. The Eddie matches like, they always feel like they're missing just a little something, but I think that's only they're victim what? of their own. Uh, I feel like they're a victim of their own legacy because the WCW matches are like just so much like to me are just higher level. So like, it feels when you compare to those, they feel like a little behind their best stuff. They're still borderline great. I'll call them great. Whatever. I have like four plus a bunch of them. Um, but all that said, like beyond that, Eddie, like where's the other stuff? Like he's got a couple of good stuff with Chavo. Um, you know, his world title runs a bit of a flop. I'm not going to pin it all on him, but um, the Rumble win. Yeah, I don't pin any of it on. So he was yeah, booked. I know, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> like it still wasn't uh, capturing imagination. The Rumble win is like him laying around. He wasn't like a great Rumble performance. Um, so again, like he's, he's the consistency to me, like you're talking about is what puts him as high as he is because he was churning out, you know, even like whatever, three plus star matches on TV every week when no one else touches it. Right. The consistency. But to me, what he's missing to get him into the top echelon is like the high consistent, high level stuff. Like we talked about Cena and Austin and Hogan and Savage and all the big time matches they have. And maybe Ray wasn't given as many shots, but when you even compare him to like Eddie, like to me, Eddie has like those bigger matches on top of the race stuff. Whereas Ray doesn't, um, you know, his debut match with angle on pay-per-view was awesome. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, like what else? I guess the SmackDown tag, you know, is there, but um, again, it's the tag title. Like it, I feel like he's just missing that high level main event, top, top stuff to get him like into the upper tier for me. But look, I'm still going to probably have him like top 25, which is, pretty damn high all time when you consider how many guys are in this company's history. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a nice shot for that, but, but it's cool, man. <laughs> I still like Anyway, Scott? Love you too. Uh, I had him at 26. Um, I'll probably lift him a couple of slots. Uh, I love Ray, but I feel like I feel like the the culture of the company kind of hurt him in the back end because of oh no, no doubt the that's, fact that's that he got think... he got gassed up and and the Ray of O because I feel like it's a tale of two Rays I think it's Ray from O two to O seven because that's when he got hurt and then yeah. Ray from O eight on and I think he lost and then, and then his by O eight O nine his knees were shot so. He couldn't do the the stuff he did. I, I love WCW Ray much better, and I think I agree with Jr. that the that the Ray Eddie stuff in 05 was more creatively driven than in ring driven, and I think that's mostly because Eddie wasn't the same in 2005 as he was in 1997. So I I blame I don't say blame, but I consider that more Eddie's physical state than Ray's physical state. Right. But in any event, I'm splitting hairs here. Ray is is you know in that level with. Liger as maybe the greatest cruiserweight of all time. Um, and he definitely kind of th- injected something into SmackDown when this, he was probably one of the most important guys when that split happened in 2002. Um, 
because he gave that he gave SmackDown that extra little oomph to go with Ray and or to go with uh, Eddie Chavo Edge and Kurt and all those guys. Um, right. But I, I I give a ton of respect for Ray, but I but I feel like we didn't get the I, I think in terms of his whole WWE template, we didn't get the best of Ray the whole time. I think mm-hmm. if you I think he his best stuff was before he hurt his knee. So oh two to like oh, because he came back because he, he came back at the same SummerSlam in oh seven that Triple H came back. So like oh two to late oh six was the great Ray, and then from oh seven on was kind of the older, slow kind of broken Ray, uh, right. which is not his fault. It's age. It happens. You say it yourself, uh, uh, Will. You know, guys slow down, and the the, the Ray in that back end was not the Ray that we all would want to rank because there just wasn't enough of that. Wait, rank. Wait, give me some years on this back. End you're talking about. Well, like, like 2010, 2011. I mean, he had, I mean, the match with takers. Okay. But by then he was definitely slowing down. I mean, he was the six one nine seemed very methodical as compared to it being very quick and snappy. Like it was in Oh two and Oh three. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like by the by the 2000 teens, he just was a slower guy. Having said that, that's not his fault. I'm just saying that, you know, if we could. Unfortunately, this is just as WWE. If we were if we were doing a list of like the greatest of all time, I would probably have Ray higher because if you're counting the Lucha stuff, the ECW stuff and obviously the WCW stuff, uh, the metric goes much higher for him. But if we're just talking WWE to me. The best Ray was 02 when he got there until late 06 when he blew his knee out and was gone for that gotcha. year. Yeah. That's all. That's all. I mean, he saying. does have some good story stuff later. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and he's got some good yeah. matches too. Like the feud with Jericho is really good too. It's in, yes. I think it's 09. Um, that's really good. But he also has some tough stuff. Like, Will, you mentioned you haven't seen the last like handful of years. Like, there's some rough stuff in there with, with Dominic and then the. Uh, friggin- I don't even dispute that, man. Yeah. I know. And then even the eye for the eye thing with Rollins, where he rips his eye, like all that, like is, is <laughs> shaky, weird. But, um, yeah. Well, I, I look at like stuff like in 2011, like the feud with uh, Alberto Del Rio had some great TV matches. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yep. You know, he had great TV matches or, or great matches with Punk throughout 2008, 2009. Uh, then in 2011, had another great uh, pay per view match. Um, there was actually a really good a TV match I was at. Um, it was CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio, um, where Punk said, uh, you know, uh, where I think the company wanted you to, the audience to choose Punk's uh, opponent, you know? Mm-hmm. And Punk is telling everybody in the uh, in the arena, choose Ray, choose Ray, because <laughs> Punk really mm-hmm. wanted to wrestle Ray instead of the Miz or whoever else was on the list. Sure enough, man, everybody chose Ray. So. You know, um, there's just to me, it's like, you know, you're, you're right at, at the top of the list. Right. When, when you talk about main event programs, he just wasn't going to get the opportunities the other guys had. Right. OK. On pay-per-view. But they had no problem throwing them in on the main event on SmackDown every other week. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the argument I'm making is. Like and I'm scrambling while you two were talking, trying to look for my uh, match of the year list from those old comps, like digging, <laughs> digging in document files from ten mm. years ago. Like, oh shit, I didn't do my homework. Where are these matches? 
<laughs> but you know, they still exist. And like I said, it's, it's Scott. Um, you, you kept mm. you kept agreeing. Yeah, he's been consistent. And the word I keep adding onto that is consistently great. You know, mm-hmm. now if you, if, I'm not going to take anything away from you. If, if it doesn't hit you the way it hit me, I can respect that. And then once again, the thing I'll add to my argument, emotional investment, him, Eddie, guys that made me tune in week after week on Nitro, but then made me watch WWE when I didn't want to watch WWE, you know, like guys that keep pulling me back, just like Pumpkin Brian did later on. Ray did that for me throughout the 2000s. So I I can completely understand your arguments. And I that's understand why, your, absolutely. That's why when I saw our list, Scott, I was honestly shocked that you didn't have Triple H on your top five, you know, because of all of our battles about him. I thought you were so emotionally invested. There was no way he misses your top five at the time. Uh, well, I mean, I, I did have him at 12, so I have him <laughs> ahead of Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I did that just to, no, I, uh, no, I, right. I was trying to be as objective as possible. And there's a ton of people that are better than well, well, but, 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 but to me, there's, like I said, that emotional investment's just that added element sure. I put in my own rankings. That's why you have guys like Dustin Rhodes and uh, Mark Henry up so high, or, or uh, William Regal. Sure. Or you know. Having said all sure. that, um, I don't begrudge you for having Ray in your top 25. I'm just so saddened to hear he's not in your top 10. That's all I want to say. Tyler, mm-hmm. what about you? Uh so I'm in the same boat here as, as Scott and JT. So nah, was, I'm going to punch you in the nuts many times over the next few weeks, but keep going. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was my number 21 last time. Uh, he was finished number 20 overall. Um, you know, I would be open to him moving up, but I would have to see something that I, I haven't really seen. I get the, the consistency and the longevity I loved him in the SmackDown Six era. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the Jericho feud in two thousand nine was another another one. Yeah. I just you know I would need to see a few more moments and more classic matches. So I, hey, I, when, I have no when doubt. Was, um, hold on. When was uh, he a tag team partner to Big Show? Was that two thousand thirteen? When was he? When was he what? Big Ray and Big Show? Yeah. Hmm. 2013, wasn't it? Sounds familiar. Somewhere in there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I remember that being pretty great, too. All right, keep going. That's not going to move him up or down your list. <laughs> Something I thought of. All right. Continue, Tyler. Sorry. Uh, that was really it. Um, I, I think he's probably staying in the 20s. Um, like I say, unless I, I grow to appreciate something, get, grow, get a greater appreciation of something else that, uh, you know, that, that jumps out at me. All right. Well, well, look, guys, uh, put a, f- a bunch of windbags on the show. It's going to go long. We've done a couple hours. Of the only thing I want to ask is, before we go, is looking at your list right now and thinking in your head, you can move up. Do you see anyone else? who could pop into your top five, like moving someone out of your top five and moving someone in. Not yeah. really. Like I'm going to have some big shakers. Like Roman Reigns is going to jump up a lot. 
<clears throat> and okay. a few others, but I think my five is my five. Um, Got you. Yeah. Maybe there's one that could maybe, but I don't. I don't who, know. who are you thinking? I'm just curious. Uh, I don't know if we, <laughs> don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole, but it's Vince McMahon who I have very high. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Ugh. All right, um, Scott. Yeah, I. Uh, there's a good chance that I am going to uh, possibly flip flop uh, Sean and Cena. I might put Cena at five okay. and Sean at six. Uh, having said that, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to look where the heck I had. Uh, where the heck I had Roman five years ago. I, I'm pretty I sure had I had him, him like way too low. I think I had him like in the 40s or something, but he's going to be way up higher for me. Mm, Incidentally, uh, Reigns matches. Uh, man. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I like take. Yeah, I'm trying to see, trying to look here on my list here where I, I think I had him in like the 70s, to be quite honest with you. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to look here. I had Larry Zabisco at 88, uh, Will, just to let you know. So There you go. He, he might uh, I had Larry on my list. On my list. Still, I don't remember where he was at, but I had Zabisco on my list just for that Bruno feud. Yeah. Okay, where did I have, where did I have uh, Yoko? Yeah, there's definitely guys that are going to drop and guys I'm going to add. All right, I had, oh, he had, I had him sure. higher than I thought. All right, so five years ago, I had Roman at 41. Okay, so he, I think I have he's definitely about 40 as well, so yeah. Yeah, I de- he's definitely moving up. He's definitely moving up. Okay. Um, but there's guys that, think of the guys in the last five years that, you know, like Adam Cole and a lot of the, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the NXT guys that weren't even a, a thought. You know, right. I mean, I AJ was with the company a year and I had him at 24. Right. But that's just because I love AJ. But you yeah, know, no, I had him really high. Too, man. You know, he's not even so, my favorite ROH guy. So, yeah. I but guess. anyway, you asked about top five. I'm right now. I'm heavily considering swapping Sean and Cena and putting Cena okay. at five. OK, well, what about you, Tyler? Your top five going to uh, fluctuate at all? Uh, I think that my top five will probably be my top five um but i could see uh moving Rex savage to number one absolutely I, I <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do it i can admit my mistake you can't <laughs> um i i would say daniel bryan's gonna be a big riser probably in the top 10 um brock lesnar may move up some uh you guys Scott and Stacey had mentioned Roman Reigns. I had him somewhere in the 40s, and he's he'll move up to Got it. you know late teens ish. You know, so. that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I think my top five is going to remain the same. I but I'll probably end up switching Ray and Randy Savage. Um, I talk I talked myself into it thinking I already had him at number one. Old and Cena. Then I'll probably switch Eddie and Dana Bryan, uh, and I think, but but I think as a as general rule of thumb, that, that top five is going to stay the same. Uh, and Cena deserves to be in that top five. Just those are guys I have emotional investment in, as well as all the other factors we talked about on tonight's show. But look, guys, this has been great. I'm, I'm so happy I got to talk to both of you on a podcast after so many years. Um, you know, but uh. 
now let's let's plug some of the shows that y'all are doing on on the place to be and on the north south connection network uh, jt what do you got going on right now uh i mean just tons of content on north south i would just recommend following the feed and you'll get tons of evergreen content uh dropping every day honestly we even have a daily pod blast now that hits every morning so we just have all kinds of cool stuff with with dedicated hosts um that we're uh, just super proud of here in year three on the north south connection good deal what about you scott uh same as jr always you know can always trust the old uh, the uh, the old standby p place to be com. The, the ptv wrestling network always has great stuff like north south does and uh yeah we're gonna do a ton of uh you know we we're doing we did a lot of gwcw stuff last year and we're gonna do a lot of shows this year where people are gonna go back to their lists like we did tonight and talk about certain guys and i think roman reigns is gonna end up being a, a pretty uh uh, hot subject over the next uh, yeah, 11 months. It's going to be on one of the shows that we do for your consideration in the next mm-hmm. few yeah. weeks. So, so anyway, we're, check it out. Yeah, so what we're going to do in the next few weeks is we're basically going to take wrestlers who have made an impact in the last five years and talk about them. There's not going to be talk about the guys in the 80s, guys in the 90s, you know, whatever the last four years. It's going to be guys in the last, because you've got to remember, I haven't watched anything in the last five years except for a handful of matches so i'm going in cold i'm going in ignorant man not that i wasn't already that you get my drift <laughs> but i'm going in ignorance so so we're gonna have people kind of um teach me or uh enlighten me on what i should check out from the last five years to maybe make a case for people and we're gonna try and line up some pretty fun uh um, guests on the show but uh the only thing I've done in the last six years, shoot, uh, my buddy Marty did a, a hair metal um, show. I think it was yes. on one of his networks, which was really was, fun. It was on the PTB. It was on the PTB Wrestling Network last year. Every Sunday, you guys did a what was it? Top yeah. thirty, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Top. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. You know, I told a yeah. lot of stories. You know, from from when I was a kid growing up, a lot of entertaining stories, and then I'm. Um, my buddy Phil Schneider uh, has a podcast called Way of the Blade, and I, I did a – I was a guest on there, but he has a lot of great guests. He's had Tony Khan, Dustin Rhodes, Steve Kern. Like, he's had a lot of big uh, names on his show. And uh, he and I talked about um, Buzz Sawyer versus Jim Duggan, uh, barroom brawls from when I was a bartender, uh, high school gang fights from when I was growing up in high school. Yeah, it was a fun time, so – if y'all have a chance, go check out Way of the Blade on Spotify and other, you know, places that podcasts are heard. And um, but now I'm I'm back, guys. If, if you ever need someone to come on your show and talk about anything but WWE, you know, from modern day uh, viewing, I'll be happy to join you. Um, but for I think the foreseeable future, Tyler, right? You're 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 in this for the next few weeks, right? Yeah, I'm I'm good. All right, Tyler's going to be my uh, data guy. He's going to have those lists that's going to remind me of the people last time, or if they even made the list or the cut last times, and giving us his views on wrestling for the last few years. So I'm excited about that. But guys, thank you so much for being here and uh, helping me kick off this series uh, podcast. So I really appreciate it. Love talking to you guys, and for everyone who. Uh, Stayed around to, to listen to a bunch of old men talk wrestling. Appreciate you listening. Uh, it's not all the music in
love often kind Did you ever have to make up your mind? Did you ever have to finally decide? 